This episode of How To Wrestling was requested by Alex Thompson, one of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling. Hey, this show is 100% fan and listener supported and we've got no ads in it and it's because of all of our lovely backers who support us over on our Patreon page. Thank you so much to everyone who supported us so far through 2020 and into 2021. If you back, you don't just help support the show and help it get made. You also get access to a whole shed load of bonus content, including over 80 pay-per-view reviews from WWE. WWE, AEW, NXT from me and Joe going all the way back to 2015 or how to revisited series, the Q&A video series that comes out monthly with Joe Graham each episode over an hour and our most recent series and no doubt our most popular series currently, Pay-Per-View Classic where Joe sets a brief and we go back and look at classic pay-per-views and review them. We've had an absolute whale of a time doing these the last few months. We've had Billy Keeble on for Survivor Series 2008. We had ECW December to Dismember 2008. 2006, Joe discovering her love of Vince McMahon through Survivor Series 1998, Vengeance 2002, and our most recent and biggest episode yet, something I was absolutely giddy to do and is one of our most fun episodes we've ever recorded, WrestleMania 17, I need say no more, sit back and enjoy this episode, it's time for How To Mark Henry. friends and welcome to the episode of how to wrestling the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling how to get into wrestling how to understand wrestling and goodness knows maybe how to enjoy wrestling and somebody's gonna get their ass kicked and or wig split because today we're talking about the world's strongest man continuing our world's most series after doing the world's most dangerous man the world's most brilliant wrestler now we're at the world's strongest man mark henry I'm the world's explainingest man, Kevin Mann, joined I am by the world's best co-host. Aww. Hey now, it's Joe Graham. I think you're flirting with me. A little bit, a little bit. What can you say, we're watching Sexual Chocolate. It is January, the most romantic of months. <laughs> you know, it's, it's gotten the dander up, Joe. What can I say? I'm very excited to do this episode. That's yeah. Long time coming. It is long time coming. He's someone who's appeared a, a few times in previous episodes, I think, in in the background or, or, or associated with other people. I feel Mark Henry is one of those people that's just, he's a kind of constant. Even though he's not been wrestling since I've started watching in, I think, 2014 or 15 when I started watching. But he's one of those people that's just, he's always around. Like, he, mm. I think he's that... That perfect middle generation where he's kind of part of the Attitude Era bunch, yeah. but also part of the modern era as well. Right, right. I kind of I think of him and Big Show being like these <laughs> these tenured men who like have these long stretching careers that I'm Yeah. I I never know where it starts and ends. That is really interesting because I think Mark Henry is someone like when you would have started watching, he was in that kind of elder statesman role like I was looking at his match list and just kind of when we were trying to find matches for this and like his last five or six matches it's like you know Royal Rumble Battle Royale Andre the Giant or Greatest Royal Rumble like he just is someone who's kind of shown up a lot to kind of remind you of who he is but he has shown up in other episodes I've alluded to some recent ones and some ones from way back and given that I don't know interesting question to ask always more so I think for Mark what were your thoughts and memories of Mark you know, before we got into our research to the episode, what did you really know about Mark Henry? 
I knew Mark Henry was the world's strongest man. And I knew that was both a character and I knew that to some extent that is true as well. I don't know how <laughs> legally uh, you prove that because there's different ways of measuring strength. So you, you took it as a given that he was the world's like, strongest man or at least had a claim of sorts to that. I, I know he had a career as a uh, strong man or right. power lifter or a very strong man who lifts heavy things. <laughs> you know, that was his job for a long time and yeah. he was considered the best in the world at it i think he was in the olympics or something and i remember him yeah popping up in a few episodes as you say i know he i think he first showed up in delo's episode yes or i think china actually would have been the very first time he popped up oh I think, really yeah because uh, I, I was obsessed with showing you some of china's like dates with oh, mark henry and yeah, stuff like that dates. and i mean most recently that i remember the episode we did on may young because of course mark henry infamously had a passionate relationship with Mae Young. Which you are a big fan of outside of just the kind of, whoa, it's an old lady with this young, strong man. Yeah. There was a genuine sweetness there. I think we went in deep on that on the Mae Young episode. Yeah. <laughs> How did those different things about Mark get reconciled in your head? Because you're like, ah, yeah, I knew he was, you know, world's strongest man. He, he was, you know, a legend of sorts. And then you're like, you know that he did these really crazy weird things, mm. often with with the female characters on the show. Yeah. Why did you think that kind of was? Did you like? Did you think he was a serious guy, or what was it? So basically, I I, know, I always assumed it was because so there's this industry right called professional wrestling where. Ah, yes. You know, sometimes you have really silly characters, but they might be genuinely high accomplishing achievers. Like, for instance, there's this character who is a demon called Kane. And you may not know this, but but the guy who is Kane... Is so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> he's the actual mayor of Knoxville. Now, how, 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 do you, how do you get around that mentally in your head? Or Kurt Angle, genuine Olympic gold medalist. His whole shtick was that he sucked and was bad. I like that... That's wrestling. As a, that was never an issue to me. As right. long as I've been aware of wrestling, World's Strongest Man and Sexual Chocolate, they're not opposites. They That's just part of the, the characterization. That is so interesting. I, I, it actually shows you like how good, for all their many faults and portraying people and whatnot, the WWE, there are these kind of handful of people sometimes where it feels like yeah, they have had kind of like, I don't say an embarrassing career, but certainly like if you were going to come up to somebody who's like the prospective Olympian go, hey, are you, you know, going to be firing a hand in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going we're gonna to do a lot of kind of borderline tasteless stuff and a lot of actually tasteless stuff. You know, it's going to be 15 years before you get a proper shake at the stick. It, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit before my mentions get flooded I had no love for Mark Henry. And I don't say no love. I had no respect for Mark Henry Whoa. really growing up as a kid. And I think there's reasons for that, you know, and I think we'll, we'll get into some of it because he's someone whose wrestling career certainly did not start off or continue or begin the second or even the start of the third act with people on large thinking that he was a legend and all that. This is one of the first times we've done an episode about a wrestler where I think constantly growing up as both a teenager, a little kid, and as a young adult, the narrative was, what a fucking disappointment, or what a fuck up, or you didn't reach potential, or whatever it was. And you start a podcast while the guy's in the middle of a career renaissance, and you kind of 
don't get on board with it straight away. <laughs> and let's just say there's egg all over my face in regards to the career of Mark Henry. I see. So if I go back to an early episode of the Ash Jira podcast, it's going to be Kevin burying sexual chocolate. 100%. That's really funny. 100%. That's, that's very funny. And yeah, I think we'll we'll get into why that is, you know, <laughs> as we get through it and all that. I want to talk about at the start because it was the thing that was, you know, quite headline for Mark Henry. The world's strongest man. How do you think you get that moniker? Or can anyone just kind of... Do you think it's like a self-declared thing or something like that? Oh, no, I don't think it's a... I mean, in wrestling, I think to a point you probably could make it a self-declared thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that he had a career outside of wrestling as like a legitimate, strong athlete. There's probably a... I don't want to use the wrong term. It might be powerlifting or something else i don't know but either way his job was to be very 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 strong and i'm i'm pretty sure when it comes to things like that you can't just go around saying oh i'm the strongest yeah it's like i think as a swimmer you can't say or like as a runner you can't say oh, i'm the fastest unless you are genuinely you know you've won the most medals or no one can beat you yes so as far as i'm aware like that was the case like he was you know he he didn't have proper competition he was never defeated something like that he was legitimately very 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 strong i will say having <laughs> selling nathan for you here now i've been on the bodybuilding forums guys right (laughs) just purely for research Mm -hmm. stop this sure vince look i just look look at the big i'd find out what gary stridham was up to these days (laughs) did he lose my number has he not got my twitter (laughs) handle what's going on but i was checking out i've done a lot of research because you know as a kid i did not buy it at all 100 percent thought no it's just a gimmick they've given him he had some legitimate claims potentially at one point but no way in hell like you know i remember using to my kind of touchstone for it i know because i made fun of him of it on the first season of the attitude Era podcast was that he came like last in the olympics in powerlifting so i, I and kurt angle we, we just reached a point in smackdown crawl where kurt angle's like mark henry you shamed this country you came last in the olympics i was like ah! as a child and right. realizing i was kind of what i took as mark henry's career for most of my life. Aww. But having done some research on the bodybuilding forums, and we'll put in the recommended bonus viewing on the website, there is like a nice little five-minute explainer from a bodybuilding expert who, who kind of laid out the case for it. He does have a legitimate claim. He had kind of a claim before 2002 where he had a lot of like world records to his name and he'd done a lot of things in powerlifting. And powerlifting is just lifting heavy, heavy weights off yeah. the ground okay so that's the thing isn't it because because bodybuilding at least as far as i know is more like what arnold schwarzenegger yes, did different world it's yeah. kind of like body sculpting it's mm. about yes about being strong but also about looking a certain way having muscles in certain places and the posing and the, the posing there is there's a modeling symmetry side to it. all that yeah. jazz yeah. whereas powerlifting is just what you can lift yes it's it's lifting heavy weights and like to get in like you can see more in the video that we'll post but there is kind of distinctions between powerlifting strongman contests and the general nature of these differences is what you're expected to do as in like you're meant to do like a certain lift with certain types of weights and the fact that mark had almost exclusively competed in powerlifting made some in the strongman community go well you ain't such a strong man after all so what's the difference between powerlifting and strongman strongman is a series of contests among them which include powerlifting like elements but it will also include things like 
tractor trailer pulls or like you know lifting up these specific devices that are like strongman contest specific so in that sense strongman is as it sounds it's it's more to do with general all-round body strength of different body parts whereas powerlifting is is mainly well i mean i've Okay. Slightly more narrow, maybe. Yeah, it's about lifting things above you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them's called a clean and jerk. I don't even know what that means. This sounds really funny, doesn't it? Let's all have a proper laugh at that. Sounds kind of rude. I'm really worried all these powerlifters are going to come and pick me up now in in some sort of a rage. Before 2002, he had, you could argue, a kind of contentious claim to being the strongest man in the world or a world's strongest man. And then he was like, right, I'm going to go address this. And he did have a very... Very, and I would say by the end of the research we've done here today, an overwhelming claim to being the world's strongest man. But like the top comment on that video is, oh, I thought it was just a gimmick. And like, yeah, <laughs> 100% I thought that as a kid, a lot. Okay, so <laughs> why did you think that? Because that's like what you do in rest, isn't it? Oh, the world's strongest man. Oh, a bit of hyperbole for Vince McMahon. But Who'd have thought like? Did you think Kurt Angle being an Olympic gold medalist was hyperbole? I did for a while, yeah. Oh, okay. First I year, guess, yeah. I thought Kurt, I thought, because I thought it was because of the name. I remember being on the playground and being like, you really think it's going to be called Kurt Angle? Like, seriously? What a made-up name. Like, yeah. Come <laughs> I on. Mean, you have a point. This is an industry with Brett the Hitman heart. Like, <laughs> he's not an actual assassin. <laughs> it, it is an industry where you can fall into one of two camps when you were a kid, I think, when you are a little kid particularly, which is you just, you're on for the ride, you believe kayfabe, you don't want to be challenged on it. You're just like, yay, it's a show. Or then you're like a little Mark snark like I was as a kid right. where it's like, I've come into this knowing that it's fake from the get-go. So everything is fake. And I think it happens often in wrestling where that borderlines on cynicism to yes. the point where you make yourself look like an idiot. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a look at the Mark Henry documentary that was produced by WWE for his induction into the Hall of fame not to be confused with the hall of pain we'll get to that in a bit how do you think they did in terms of putting together a little piece about his career it was good yeah i mean this this documentary is called world's strongest man the mark henry story and it came out in 2019 so that's when he went to the hall of fame then yes that was the the year he went in yeah that i that feels like Mm. 2019 was this year right and yet that no. feels like it was like five years ago it's like two years ago i think now okay. officially that's mm, that doesn't par in my brain yeah it's really strange i like how they addressed from the the get-go on the documentary about the role that like kind of names and monikers play in wrestling because he's like hi i'm mark henry I was the strongest man in the world and I also portrayed the world's strongest man. <laughs> and I straight away, I'm like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he gets it. I think he, he, yeah, I mean, you have to, don't you? I think if you, especially, oh, taking a title like that, I mean, that must be hard as well, being like, yeah, I am the world. Oh, I don't know, because he was the world's strongest man. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it shows you how up against it he was when yeah. he went off and is it. And then like a lot of wrestling fans, including those of us who thought we were knowledgeable at points yeah, in our, like, in our no. teens, are like, no, surely not. Wrestling's always great to, to line up and have a pop at someone. It's something that comes across in this documentary somewhat. But like, did it surprise you to find out about the hazing and the bullying that Mark has experienced in his career? bit mm. i'm very high pitched there <laughs> as soon as it cut to jbl 
who is what there's not many interviews in this this documentary that was the kind of the saddest thing about this is i feel mark henry has a lot of friends Mm. for at least you know from the clips i've seen of him you know just generally and like him on social media and stuff like he's he's popular and beloved definitely and yet there was only like three or four people interviewed on this Mm. it's a shame and jbl was one of them and i guess they must be good friends now because it was very clear that jbl was the one doing most of the hazing yeah and he was talking about it in vague terms as in jbl was Mm. kind of excusing himself and being like well you know it was just what we did and also you know he's kind of asking for it but it did surprise me in terms of the fact that one of the only things i did know about mark henry's past was something you mentioned three or four months ago which was that because of his success as a power lifter he had always been like the star the of, man yeah like, big fish in a little pond mm. like he comes from was it Salisbury? Silsby Silsby that's little it town, little yeah. town where like you know they say in the documentary because he came from a poor family who couldn't afford you know a lot of things and so when he came to compete in the Olympics the whole town came together to raise the funds so he could compete because it's expensive it is incredible to, to hear like how how you kind of arrived to the point where wrestlers want to haze him and all that, you know? Yeah, and it's clearly that, like, you know, he he was beloved from a very early age. He obviously was, like, popular. And then he gets to this, you know, the WWE, and suddenly it's, like, it's, it's yeah, it's typical WWE hazing. Well, it's typical, typical wrestling hazing, which is, like, well, you may be a big a big name in your pond, but around here you're you're nothing. And you have to express that via the medium of bullying. But, like, yeah. Mark was from a very, very young age, I kind of had the, the moniker of being like, here's an exceptional young man in waiting. I found that when he was 10 years old, he was like 5'8 and 225 pounds. And like, we were I'm sat- just trying to think, how, I don't, I don't work in pounds. <laughs> What's, I think, I think that's heavier than me. Yes. And a little shorter or roughly the same height at age 10. Now, he's a tall enough man, but like the fact that he was built big from the get-go you know big family big brother big dad he had his first set of weights like by the time he was 13 or 14 there's a really sweet little story i found out and it seems kind of bullshit but i'll tell it anyway because sweet stories are always nice to talk about bullshit otherwise but when he was a youngster going to see the wrestling show when he was like seven or eight years old his favorite was andre the giant and you know he went to reach to, to touch andre and he slipped and he fell over the barricade and andre the giant allegedly just plucked him with one hand from the ground and put him back in his seat Aww, one nice. member of the wwe universe reaching out to another member of the wwe <laughs> i mean it is seems so made up but it's so sweet at the same time as well yeah it's a nice, I, I like that idea i hope that's i hope that's true <laughs> we cut quite early in the documentary to 1995 before he's even signed with wwe and he's already breaking world records yeah 800 pounds yeah he, he even in school he was kind of like they, they say they said that they set up the powerlifting team at his school because of mark henry's abilities like it didn't exist mark henry came along was buff as hell super strong and they were like we should probably compete yeah because of him i mean Look, I don't pretend remotely to understand the ins and outs of 90% of athletic competition. 95, 99% I go as far as to say. Least of all powerlifting because there's a, obviously so much in terms of the technique and what you need to do with your body to do it. But I will say I was constantly very impressed and scared by him lifting the heavy thing. Me too. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and it doesn't mean anything to me because I've never lifted a weight, lifted a weight 
Um, and I th- yeah, I'm not ever impressed by watching people like because you can't tell how heavy something is just by it being lifted and especially mm. if it's someone really strong because they make it look easy <laughs> and even still though like mark henry is so strong he's at the point where even his equipment starts to look like it's struggling yeah it's, it's like a cartoon like he's picking up this giant cartoon weight and it's the rebar in the middle is literally tilting towards the yeah. outer edge there's a clip right at the beginning of this documentary where he's lifting a heavy thing and the bar and the weights looks like it's about to snap and, but like he looks like, I mean, he was obviously he's putting a lot of work into it, but he doesn't look like he's struggling especially. No, we so actually it, see a few times where he drops the weights to show yeah. later. They just, they sprinkle it in, I think, just to show you, hey, this is like one of the most dangerous fucking goddamn things you could do. I might yeah. think, oh, he's just going to lift a thing, that's it. There's no physical contact. It's not a team sport. What could go wrong? And, you know, you drop an 800 pound weight. Yeah. The fucking ground cracks, like, oh my, oh my good God in heaven. So yeah, he's beaten all these records, which previously, you know, people hadn't even approached trying to come near. Like, he had a quite a, quickly a team around him of people in the city, as you say, of Silsby, of, of being like, right, he's going to break world records pretty much nonstop. Mm. We just have to, like, point him in the right direction and he will be a mega star in powerlifting. And Mark is so fucking eloquent. I know he hosts a radio show. I know he could talk. But man, he is so fucking eloquent and well-spoken in this. I love how he's able to talk like passionately about, I'm the st- I think I'm the strongest human that's ever lived and not come across like a comic book villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. I think it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. And I think anyone else in the industry who had even remotely like that sort of claim to a feat of strength would be such a dick about it and <laughs> he's so you know, we've seen pumping iron folks like, yeah. we, know, we know what they're like they're like yeah he's the strongest man in the world and he is so modest humble like so yeah so humble and he admits himself he wasn't always like that throughout his career and there's like <laughs> yeah lots of justification for Hayes and it's like oh he's got a big head so i'm going to be a fucking prick to him or whatever you know and that's kind of how wrestling works i guess to an extent so Silsby's an interesting place. I mainly know it just from his re- fake retirement speech. But here he is in this town, age 21, multiple world records to his name. He's trying out for the Olympics team, 1992. They reckon they'll get him onto the Olympic squad. And he's quite good at explaining the ins and outs of how Olympic athletes work. It's quite similar in some respects to... Uh, this is going to be very alienating for all the English and like everyone except a few people in Ireland, I guess. But in Ireland, we have Gaelic games. It's like GAA. It's it's our national sport. We've got hurling. We've got football. You know, Irish rules. And we are very strange, at least when I left, that these people are athletes at the top of their game, but you don't get paid because it's still technically like you're doing it for your community and all that. And that Mark's kind of explained like, it's a similar deal. He's like, look, if you're an Olympic athlete, you're not like, making loads of money unless no. you're getting loads of endorsements which yeah, if you're he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been and like the fact that a city comes together mm. whoa but he says you know he was struggling to afford to eat you know his parents were really low income and you can only imagine like i mean anyone who's who's been a teenage boy or has lived with a teenage boy knows how much the average <laughs> teenage boy needs to eat lots and not even just boys you know like anyone of any gender occasionally goes through a period of like oh i need to devour this to grow least of all the power lifters amongst exactly us. <laughs> he's a power lifter he's you know over 200 pounds i can't even imagine the amount of calories he would have needed to get through just to like 
you know, get out of bed in the morning. It's got to be a bit of a ride for Silsby Texas, though, because, you know, you look through the town when they show you footage of it, like, his face is plastered on, like, half the signs there, like, there's buses, all this stuff. He's basically saying, like, it was grassroots. Every club, every restaurant, every bar, every school was, like, raising and hustling to get money to get him to the Olympics. You know what? I, I think he's being very modest again there, because... That doesn't just happen. No way. Like, you don't. That that's not how things work in life. Like, and seeing him perform as a powerlifter, like every time he wins a competition, he does a little dance. He flexes oh, for that. the crowd. He has a twinkly eye, or he does his you know finger guns. He's so charming. You can't help but be a fan of his. Yeah. And I think if you lived in Silsby and you saw him compete, and you were like, "That's my boy. He comes from here. He's gonna be the strongest guy ever someday." Like, yeah, you would want to be behind him. There's a little bit of magic to him. like The fact that he is bringing showmanship to a sport which it's a display of strength. There's usually very little in terms of the showmanship. I can imagine how many powerlifters have tried to do like the wink or whatever when they're lifted and they've fucking (laughs) broken their arms in the process. Yeah, and I think as well it can come across very smug. Yeah. And it doesn't with him. He just seems like he's having so much fun. I like to see that because, I mean, there's so many instances and I think it does happen... You know, the man who's watched a lot of documentaries about boxers and stuff over the years, so he's probably a bit tunnel vision on it. What's so nice is that Terry Todd, who he says is a mentor and his father figure, and the man who basically had him on the straight and narrow in powerlifting, he wasn't trying to make him not be himself. You know, he's a goofball as well, and seeing the two of them smiling when Mark's doing the dances and all that, it's like, right, this guy clearly gets Mark. It's not going to be like they're going to try and stop him from pursuing a career in wrestling because he knows it's a nat like everyone at this point knows he's going to WWE he's not going to fucking the Olympics come on like seriously <laughs> I mean is he a wrestling fan as a child because yes. they don't mention that documentary at all normally at this point you'd at least have one picture of him like wearing a <laughs> I don't know a Bret Hart t-shirt or something okay well here's the embarrassing little story about Mark <laughs> which again another reason why wrestlers are like let's bully him you know where he gets the phone call, and I don't know how many times we've told the story on this podcast where the wrestler gets the phone call from Vince McMahon, like, hello, this is Vince McMahon. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Doing your or like, hello, this is Pat Patterson. Yeah, right. You hang up. So he gets the phone call, like, 95, right before he's going to the 96 Olympics, and he hangs up straight away because he thinks it's someone pranking to his Vince voice. <laughs> but Vince must, at best point, be used to this. Yeah. I think he loves that. I... <laughs> I'll get back at all these wrestlers for making fun of me on these phone calls by ruining their lives and controlling <laughs> their careers in subtle ways. So yeah, he has to ring Vince back all like sad and be like, I'm sorry, Vince. And Vince offers him the big contract and all that. And allegedly, Mark Henry's first words were, do I get to meet Yokozuna? Aww. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's been offered, like, at the time, he says it's the biggest signing of all time. Which is ridiculous. He's got no wrestling ability, no training. And it's not even like he has a background in athletics because powerlifting isn't isn't that. I mean, it's it's mm. its its own thing. It's to do with strength. It's not to do with, you know, athleticism and flexibility and stuff like that. The, the typical things that wrestlers normally have a background in, like football or well, that gymnastics. Gives you, like, football gives you a gas tank. Yeah. It gives you cooperation. It gives you, you know, footwork. All these mm-hmm. things which are, I mean, yeah, strength's important in wrestling. Yeah, of course. But, but you can like, learn strength, right? Yeah, and most of the strongest wrestlers in the world are, like, wrestlers who you don't even actually know are strong because, you know, it kind of... A lot of the way strength comes out in wrestling, at least as friends who I know who were into 
training and whatnot have told me it's in the cooperation. It's in yeah. the stuff. They're not going to be like, look at the strength of Mark Henry cooperating there with Ryback on the suplex. They're not going to say that. Like, so it's not really a good investment. This is 1996 as well, though. This is when Eric Bischoff has got both feet up Vince McMahon's arsehole and uh-huh. kicking it on a routine basis. Bret Hart has been signed to a contract for 20 years where Vince is like, just so you know, I won't be able to pay you this. <laughs> You're screwed. Like, they are threats of being kicked off their TV deal because they're not making enough, you know, ratings, not making enough money at the moment. They are in the dark ages. This is when Scott Hall has decided, I'm going to go. Kevin Nash is like, I'm going to go. Like Everyone's deciding they're going to go. And Shawn Michaels has decided, I'm going to go to a place where I do a lot of drugs and not be very nice to my, my colleagues. It's the worst time to be signing someone to a record-breaking. It's north of half a mil was what I heard. Ridiculous. I mean, who am I to say what what he should have been paid at this point? But the thing is, he says, I would have signed for $2. There's your fucking problem. You get your over-offer, then you hate when that happens. Yeah, I think the trouble is, is that there's a disparity between what Mark Henry would have happily been paid... Which obviously he he doesn't deserve to be paid as little as two dollars. I think we can all agree. Yeah, there's a middle ground. <laughs> there's a middle ground. Like, we're talking about the pay gap here now, folks. <laughs> like, oh, fine, I'll just take two dollars then if it's so bad for you. <laughs> but like similarly, I yeah, I can only imagine that to all these wrestlers, we're in an industry where you're not supposed to, to be a fan because you're a mark then and it means you're you fucking nobody mm. and in comes this mark with no wrestling ability literal name mark yeah <laughs> mark he's he's you know he's already got it up against him because he's african-american he's mm. black you know he he's just strong and i think it's especially the the year he's being signed as you say because it's such the height of the competition and yeah, all these wrestlers, their contracts are getting ended or, you know, cut back or they're told, no, not this year. It's not your opportunity or you're too old mm. or we're not ready for you. And then or suddenly we don't have enough money for it. You money, know. Yeah. And then suddenly in comes this guy who's like, I would have signed for two dollars. Also, I'm a massive fan. He, he freaks out. He wants to see Andre the Giant's boots. Ugh. He's just like he's a, a super mega fan. And you can't you can't even do that in wrestling. You like you have to pretend like you're you're not a fan, I think, to a point, mm. if you're new to wrestling, because like otherwise you will just be labeled a mark and yeah. be bullied. I hope he didn't shake anyone's hands too hard or too soft as oh, well, he Joe. He definitely did though, because he's so strong. Oh, Jesus Christ! Like it's just what I hate about this is that it kind of you can see the blueprints that then kind of for I, I'm just taking my experience to be the experience of the typical like wrestling fan back in the day, because you hear this story of him being signed to all this money. And I was saying to you when I watched the documentary, like, there's reasons why I, I had, like, a fucking bee in my bonnet about him. And, like, two big reasons. I remember the story, like, Mick Foley's book, he's talking about, like, all the wrestlers who were making more money than him in 1996. Yeah. He's like, can you believe they're giving Mark Merrow 300 grand and they're giving Mark Henry all this money as well? He's not even trained and I'm out here, you know, jumping on concrete and I'm making, like, a third of the money that they are. And, like, I get that resentment. And then you have, like, the great classic story of steve austin where he's like he's become stone cold and he said austin 316 he goes into the marketing room and they're like oh they're nothing but mark henry merchandise <laughs> posters t-shirts and he's like how about a shirt for stone cold and like no this is this is mark henry's wwe mate like, i don't know what you're talking about i'm like yeah surprisingly the guy who was going to the olympics who had no wrestling training and was really nervous and was given all the money was a bit of a flop when he first came and you know what i think as well even if he hadn't been offered all that money i think he still would have probably been a victim of hazing because of the fact that 
in wrestling, people who work in the industry are so, especially at this particular time, they're so hyper-conscious of the fact that people don't take them very seriously. And so someone coming in with, oh, I'm legitimately one of the strongest men in the world. Like, you think of Vince McMahon alone. He was always tackling, like, her angle to take him down. Like You seem to be intimidated by someone's masculinity, I Joe? Think, yeah, I think they'd be trying to prove <laughs> that he's not such a big deal after all. And, oh, we're all just as tough as him. Because that's... I just think of like JBL and that's exactly the type of shit he would think and do. Yeah, look, we will say they don't talk about the bullying much here. And the little clip that you mentioned of, of him and JBL laughing in the locker room, which they show three times, that was doing some serious fucking heavy lifting here in this stock, wasn't it? Yeah, seriously. I, I did not appreciate the, the various camera interviews from JBL where he's like having a little giggle to himself about how much fun he had. Because Mark doesn't talk about the hazing, really. He talked about it on a Broken Skull Sessions he did with Steve Austin, which I, I watched as well. And I you know, listened to a couple of his interviews that he's done. He's, you know, Mark has spoken at length about pretty much all topics uh, to his detriment. We'll get into right. later on. But he said the main thing about it was, and he's, you know, not many people want to be coming to him like, here's my personal role that I played in me being bullied. Is That's a difficult road to get to, let's just say, the difficult, difficult bridge to cross. But he's like, no one ever in my life ever 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 before i came to wb even as much as like attempted to look at me sideways yeah and you know you were talking about he was the king of silsby and all that and you know and that was kind of what it was for him he was like no one had ever bullied me before i'd never been hazed i'd never been talked back to i'd never had a request denied i'd never not gotten my way and he kind of like he's trying to make out that like i was a bit of a spoiled brat Mm. but also as well with stuff like I'd never had someone put a lock on my bag and then throw it into the showers and turn the showers on. And it's like, uh. well, it's never happened to me either. And like, but that's fucking shit, isn't it? Or so he's like, you know, no one's ever like taken the keys to my car before and like, you know, thrown them down the drain or like no one's ever locked me out of the locker room or, you know, you hear some stories about Mark Henry and it's like, fucking hell. And like, here I am in like, the late 90s reading books where people are burying Mark Henry or talking about all the, you know, entitled shit he was doing. You hear all these stories of bullying. And I remember all through the thousands, a steady diet of shoot interviews where wrestlers would just brag about how they would, you know, bully and haze Mark. There's a story which I laughed my head off so many times and it's so fucking disgusting to think about. The fact that Mark's like, yeah, I paid her all and all this. X-Pac took a shit in Mark Henry's meatball sandwich. An actual shit. They put the tomato sauce over it, mixed it around. Oh. And Mark just went and edit. And like, I'm not talking like these guys like had a come to Jesus moment and they're all fine with it. They're laughing their heads about it like 15 years later and shoot interviews. Did he not get really ill? I mean, you imagine he would have, yeah. And like, it's just kind of, if you're going to, like, that's that's the ones you know about. And if he's talking like, oh, they threw my bags in the locker and then, you know, yeah. were a bit mean to me. And people were like, hey, we were shitting in his food. That shows to me that that's not just kind of a bit of hazing because he's a bit of a, an entitled galoot. Maybe he was a bit entitled, but it seems to me like he was an easy victim because it yeah. kind of felt like, well, I can do what I want to him because everyone's going to say, yeah, he's entitled. Yeah. Same reason why you can attack someone like Sable or half the women. Like, oh, well, everyone thinks they're an asshole anyway, so I can shit in a box or whatever, you know? Exactly, and he was an outsider. Yeah. You know, he, 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 it's very easy to gang up on him, especially when you've got people from all the different corners of wrestling being like, well, that's not very fair, is it? You know, Mick Foley's considered to be one of the nicest people. Him and Mark Henry are great friends yeah. now. And yet even he was like, yeah, he maybe deserved it a little bit. Like, I think it's partly resentment from other yes. wrestlers. And it's a dangerous thing in wrestling, resentment. Yeah. And partly the fact that I think 
a lot of wrestlers justify this type of behavior as a rite of passage because yeah. because it's something that they have for the most part all gone through some way or other if you haven't been hazed by other wrestlers in the locker room you've probably been hazed in your training mm. you've probably been you know taken advantage of beaten and abused you know on your way up what do they do to you in that football team jbl what the fuck happened mm. like what made you this person <laughs> yeah like i mean wrestling is a is an industry full of very damaged people mm-hmm. and i think the fact that mark henry came in so happy and you know, like well balanced and, and happy in himself they probably fucking hated that they were like well let's let's ruin that for him what he's got inner peace ah uh, no 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 can't be having that it always just reminds me of like that promo that vince did that i was obsessed with that we talked about in the vince episode where he's like i see this inner peace you have and i don't want it i can't <laughs> buy it so i want to kill it it's like that's kind of the mindset about a lot of wrestlers when they see someone who's just like happy in themselves yeah. and like think there would have been a way to be like, all right, Mark, like you're a bit rough around the edges. Let's kind of shore you up. I know there was no performance center back then, but yeah, it was kind of a long road for Mark of constant like haze. And the fact mm. he was, you know, injury prone as well because of his lack of training, it really made for kind of bad vibes, I guess, kind of throughout. We decided to delve into Mark's career with the first match that he ever had in the WWF. It was his first match ever, and they put him up against none other than Jerry the King Lawler. And this is very much like if you're playing a wrestling game and you don't know how the controls work, it's like, right, you're going to have a special match against one of the commentators. And he's like, ha Mark Henry, hold B for a strong grapple. <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to be able to do your finishing move on me. Just stood still. <laughs> it was like... If I had to do a wrestling match, I'd like Jerry Lawler Ugh. in this exact phase to be my opponent because I don't think Mark leaves his feet in this match at all. It's Mind Games 1996, Mark Henry, the Olympian, taking on Jerry the King Lawler. I did have a little running tally here of how many subtle... What we got here? <laughs> we had to expand it because the com- commentary got complex, but this is a tally of JR's digs insults and backhanded compliments we had six in this seven minute match i think we had more and we just missed them and some Uh, of them some of them are like i think they they're slow burners it's kind of like (laughs) that that ancient martial arts move that kind of it stops your heartbeat after you walk 10 steps you don't even realize how much of an insult some of the things i think he was saying are until like a year from now yeah hang on walk 10 steps he's like wait a minute he said i had a lack of finesse that's a dig shit (laughs) Yeah, Jerry Lawler coming into the ring here with the uh, en route stand-up where they're also playing a video package from earlier in the day. And it's literally like, do you want to see Jerry Lawler going... And another image of him going... It was very hellish. I didn't... Yes, and I don't don't like that. I don't, why did they do that? Have the, the clip of him going... At the same time as having him literally in the ring going... So Jerry's gimmick was at the time, because if you played him on Attitude on the N64, he'd come out and be like, look at him, he's a moron. He'd just do the kind of the walking chat. Yeah, he's not even very good at it. I think like I'd rather him just come to the ring and then grab a mic and say what he's going to say. But the fact that he's like, you don't need to listen to this bit. It's like... (laughs) It's like the, the the closing and opening bits of Seinfeld episodes. Like you don't really pay attention to it, but do you? It's like that if they played like the first bit and the last bit overlapping each other, so they're both playing at the same time. <laughs> you can't hit either of them. Yeah, at least they didn't do that in Seinfeld. Yeah. So he spilled coffee spilled on him through. I thought it was water. He had, a, he had a bag of McDonald's as well. Oh really? I don't know. It was just Jerry Lawler with a bag of McDonald's going ha ha ha, 
and throwing a cup of liquid on Mark. And Mark's yeah. like, look at me now. I'm going to have to go get changed into my wrestling gear for this match. And then Jerry slaps him. Uh, and then Jerry goes on a rant about how he hates the Olympics. I <laughs> love that. Like you, you have all this like confusing noise and cut back. You're like, Jerry Lawler in the ring. And another thing, I hate the Olympics. Mad old man. <laughs> Why? Okay. He says, the only reason I ever watched the Olympics is to find out if one synchronized swimmer drowns. Do they all drown? Wee. Which I, uh, that's a recycled fucking joke. He's used that one many times before. Noel Fielding over here. Yeah. Well, as the, the pod, man who's coming up on his ten years of podcasting i'll just keep my mouth shut yes terrible <laughs> <laughs> well, at least if, your jokes are worth repeating that uh, was not even that funny i also i genuinely never do it on purpose he he he's doing it with malice of forethought there joe the recycling of the material he's got a content calendar he's planned it all in advance don't take this out of context but i will never knowingly recycle until the day i die <laughs> <laughs> jerry is all set here for his match and mark henry comes out in his special tracksuit and it's got the immediate air of Vince McMahon thinks this is the best idea in the world and everyone around him, including the ten or 15,000 people in attendance, don't share the sentiment. Because Vince is like going, whoa, look at Mark Henry. Yeah. And like it's almost like he's trying to convince himself here. Yeah. Uh, Vince, like, he seems like he thinks he's got something here with Mark, which is no one else can seem to see it at the moment. That's it, typical Vince, isn't it? Yeah, I guess with strong men, like because yeah. you know, Braun Strowman is another person who fell into that category. Yeah. Look, Vince, you got to remember Vince inside. He's a little scared boy who just wanted to be strong. That yeah. he's he's living <laughs> vicariously through these very strong men. His fantasy of being strong. All right, I don't want to be gear shaming now, but um, well, actually, no, that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, Mark Henry's outfit here. Oh, it's really bad. Oh boy, now this is quite like the purchasing something on ebay or alibaba and it's coming from china so you're not really sure if you know what it's gonna look like but oh god they have tailors don't they i assume they have tailors at this point it doesn't seem like they helped mark henry at all how would you describe his outfit joe it's a bit like um a lady's swimming costume mm. with an american flag kind of on it kind of a cut out thing yeah. on the shoulder but it's, like, it's kind of stretched out there it's and, very much like an alibaba version of a swimsuit you saw on asos <laughs> that had gone out of style a few years back and is now like on offer yeah from love island season yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> so jerry has got the format of the match down he's like i'm gonna teach mark henry some lessons in wrestling wrestlings i like i like this is a good way to hide someone's shortcomings you know, if, if you can't wrestle, have the guy be like, now nah, we're going to do a headlock. I bet you can't even do one of those, Mark. And I'll put your arm around my head <laughs> and just pretend to crank on it or it don't actually hurt me. <laughs> I thought Jerry did all right here for his no. for his, <laughs> for his uh, his part. You weren't you were impressed with the king. No, the most impressed I was was <laughs> at the beginning he falls over and lands on his elbows and he's not wearing any elbow pads. It looks really <laughs> sore and I had a good time then. Yeah, there... There is a lot to be said for both the uh, the catharsis of always watching Jerry Lawler get hurt, but also how this match was definitely set up. Jerry's like, you know, 40 or 50 here. Mm. Like, this is a, like, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. No one's going to get hurt. And yet, in the man, in them doing, like, do a headlock and then shove me over or, like, throw me to the outside. Jerry actually got seriously hurt almost in this <laughs> match. <laughs> I was watching, like, some commentary clips when they're talking about, about Mark Henry when they're doing the Hall of Pain and Jerry's like, 
well, I remember the first match. I, I had Mark Henry's first match. And they're trying to sell it like it's scary, not like the Jerry was this kind of silly heel fighting the young Olympian. And he's like, and Mark Henry, he sidestepped me, and I went over those top ropes, and I went right up against the barricade. My face went straight up against it. I was lucky I didn't split my eye open. Like, he oh, was just, I wish he had. Yeah, Jerry takes a fucking spill, which I don't think he was planning on doing. He goes fucking crashing. Well, you know, it's his own fucking fault, because in my opinion, in this match, Jerry simultaneously manages to oversell and under undersell every move every single move like the times when you really should be selling he's underselling he's mm. not doing anything he's like just still i don't buy mark's power from what jerry's doing no in the match. and the, the, what's really frustrating is i feel like he's doing this on purpose because i know how good jerry can be mm. with like very little effort and it's not just a case i'm sure of him being nervous about wrestling this guy who's an amateur even though he probably is a bit nervous because that's jerry lawler it's kind of his whole job yeah like, he's a veteran he's supposed to be like one of the best in the and industry. mr safe soft mr. style safe, yeah. like, mr. You know. mr i can do anything with a look to the crowd i can get the crowd to do what i like and yeah he just he, he oh, i'm really frustrated at his performance in this match it kind of had me sitting there going i wanted rick flair to have mark henry's first match because yes. you know like there's none of that kind of like, why wouldn't you have the spot where he goes to punch you and then he squeezes your fist? Why doesn't that happen? Like, yep. There's so many bits like that where it's like, this is such an easy narrative. And I get it. Like, Mark doesn't leave the center ground. Like, no. not only does he not leave his feet, he's pretty much, like, glued to the to the bullseye of the center of the ring, bar yeah. one or two spots in the corner. And it's kind of sad that they don't give him enough opportunities to like get like th there's obvious moments for the crowd to be like yay and they kind of fuck him all up like the crowd are cheering and mark turns and he's like wait what's going on and then they stop cheering like because they're like out of embarrassment almost yeah. i don't know it's a bit of a shit show in terms of my first wrestling match with an allegedly safe pair of hands it's just inconsistent. Like, it felt like sometimes he was being, like, you know that match we did in the Hulk Hogan episode where Shawn Michaels buries him? Yeah. And he oversells? It, it felt like he was doing that at the worst time, mm. like, just to make Mark Henry look shit. And then the times when, like, actually overselling would do a lot of good, like the times when Mark has him in something like a headlock or whatever, Jerry's just still. He just doesn't move. He's becomes like a wet fish. I think they were trying at the same time... They're trying to tell a story of like Mark's so strong, but also strength won't just do it because you were annoyed at those spots where Jerry's in the headlock and he's like, ah, ah, and then he gets out and he has him in the hammerlock. Because he didn't even sell anything. That's it was the problem, like, yeah. It's so obvious. Like he, he is just undermining Mark's strength. Like the headline should have been Mark Henry's strong and the mm. subheadline should have been like Jerry Lawler shows that wrestling technique can sometimes outdo strength exactly. in wrestling. But exactly. we, we don't get that no. headline really. And do you know why I think we don't get that? Because to someone like Jerry Lawler, that would be like, that would so bruise his ego because he is strong. What do you mean? I am strong. I'm just as strong as Mark Henry. I don't need wrestling to win. I'm just super strong. It very much felt like if you were asked to do a project for your work and you're like, all right, I know what they're asking me to do this because I'm uh, <laughs> the, the bitter teaching bile is coming out. <laughs> I can see why you've asked me to do this because obviously I'm the only person who can do this. <laughs> and I will do this, but I will do it in a passive aggressive yeah, way definitely. that makes you know that I have better things to be doing with my time. <laughs> and that very much is what Jerry Lawler has here. Like, you know, it it's kind of he has done the job. You can't say he's not technically done the yeah, job. Yeah, technically. He's, he's not done sabotaged job. him overtly. Mm. No. But he's certainly not 
presented Mark Henry with a nice bow on him as the world's strongest man and the Olympian for everyone to go, yay! Yeah, like, I think it sends a clear message to the locker room as to what Jerry thinks of Mark. And yes. I think people like <laughs> JBL in the back are going to see that match and they, you know, they know a lot more about wrestling than I do. And if I was able to pick up that Jerry wasn't trying for this, they definitely will. And they'll be able to go, well... He's supposed to be putting him over at least, you know, as the strongest guy. And Jerry's not even doing that. So let's all just fucking shit in his sandwiches, yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. Seriously. So yeah, Vince has got the full big Vince voices. We get the, the backbreaker put in. And, you know, impressive enough to see Jerry flipped up on his back. And Mark picks up the win. But in terms of, like, raw power stuff that's, you know, meant to shock you and makes you to go, whoa, in a wrestling industry that had already seen so many giants and hey over on the other show they got a giant with a monster truck and he's called the giant <laughs> this did this seems like eh, like it yeah. didn't seem like anything that you wouldn't have already seen a million times already on the wwf and like after the match they send out like al snow and marty janetti and the fucking grimace on the face fucking sasha banks been told that she's taking a little time off when they figure out what to do with her creatively triple h H. oh my god the fucking puss on his face Uh, he's so pissed off how would you describe triple h when he was picked up for this press slam by mark henry very still it's like he was doing his fucking taxes or something like that he like he starts out like no no then he's picked up like all right mark a couple more steps couple more all right throw me here we <laughs> oh, come on i know your friends are in another company but chin up mate all right, come on. he's yeah i feel they're all working very hard together to make mark look very bad yeah no more so than after all that happens loads of fireworks go off and like <sighs> legitimately takes the crowd off guard they're like huh and vince mcmahon just goes sure why not <laughs> treat yourself these were meant to be for later on god damn it <laughs> how would you rate this match then joe this this you know not easy to find mark henry matches from the offset i'll say that but this is definitely um important for you to see i think mm. but how, how would you rate it I-, I gave it no stars whoa and i don't blame mark henry like yes obviously he isn't great and he is very very green but i don't blame him for that mm. i blame the people who hired him and put him on a televised match like if you don't think he's ready don't do it don't give him a match and then bury him yeah like the number of times on the commentary they're like well he's not very good and of course don't expect him to be good and yeah he's i mean shit actually we, like the the tally there and i mean all through the attitude era it was a running gag where we were on the attitude era podcast we we're like listen to jim ross talk about like vader or mark henry or literally anyone who's heavy set ever like oh, really? you know it's just fucking so you know predictable as predictable mm-hmm. as us doing those that shit in the first season of the attitude era podcast but like we're we're at this point, like, right at the start from the get-go. It's like, lack of finesse, don't expect anything fancy, not going to be very pretty, he's got a lot to prove, hasn't hasn't shown us much yet. You know, he's he's one step away from the classic, don't break out the star rating for this one, folks. <laughs> Clearly, because no stars were, were given. We yeah, uh, no, I, I blame I blame Jerry, I blame Vince, I blame, I blame everyone else in the locker room except for Mark. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's one of those cases where... You ever seen a talent show and the kid goes up and says, I'm going to read a poem about seashells in front of all the bullies. It's like, all right, well, who fucking put him up to yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. It's their fault, ultimately. Yeah. Like, I feel Mark did the job he was supposed to do. I don't think he was supposed to move around and get off his feet. I don't think anyone wanted him to do that. And it's, yeah, he, he did his job. He yeah. was a strong man. He lifted the jerry. <laughs> I lifted the jerry and all I got was his t-shirt. <laughs> I think, yeah, after this 
point now and they're, we're in the documentary they're kind of they're talking about the hazing and kind of you know the justification for for bullying really and you know it's, it's always good to hear from the bully's perspective why they thought it was right that they that they did the bullying yeah you know? it's important to see both sides of the story mm. and you know you're you're here one second time oh well, he didn't know or he didn't appreciate he didn't know what what the sport wrestling he didn't appreciate how great it was it's like well first of all he was a fan so he obviously had to have some level of appreciation yeah but i think what it is is it's that it's that jealousy it's the resentment and then the other thing which is the label of unreliable because he gets injured now i don't know why it is where we're still in the world where mark henry gets injured a bunch and he's considered to be unreliable and injury prone and you know batista and randy orton spent most of the peaks of their career routinely getting injured and they're the greatest of their generation mm. i don't know what that could be folks but i don't know him getting injured and particularly getting injured right before the Olympics. I didn't know this at all that he had suffered like right before, much like Kurt Angle had, you know, got injured right before the Olympics and Mark underperformed at the Olympics. I don't know if he actually came last, but he says later on, I've only ever lost one powerlifting competition. I think it's this. It's the 1996 Olympics, which is the same year Kurt would have been competing. So they would have been part of Team USA together. Wow. Oh God, how did the WWE not like cash in on that? I mean, you, well, why, why would you do that show when you could casually bury him with a throwaway line on a SmackDown <laughs> and never make reference to it again? Like, you know. What's, what's the, how, how, I thought they were supposed to love America. Well, it's not very loving of America if you're like burying their Olympic heroes. They never bring up. They never bring up. <laughs> And I think they never brought it up because they didn't want to be like, oh, let's let's not bring up the thing where he did badly. Right. You know, it's not like Chad Gable, who similarly like really underperformed at the Olympics. He's an amazing athlete, but he wasn't taking home no medals. Mm. But, you know, we get to talk about him being a great Olympian and all that stuff. I'm not sure if it's because Mark has more legitimate kind of claims to fame. Right. But, like, I didn't know that he was Olympian when I was growing up. Like, I didn't know that at all until he was made fun of it. Like, wow. made it seem like it was a big, dirty secret. So what did you think? What, what did you think he was signed for wrestling for then? Did you not know that he had... I figured he was a strong man. Like, he did... Like, I figured he did powerlifting, but I figured that meant that, you know, he lifted a few heavy things and, you know, therefore it meant he in no way was prepared for the sport of wrestling. Well, and he thought he was just paid this record-breaking amount of money for just general kind of strength. I'm going back to those books again because it's... You know, in terms of the documentation of the time, yeah. we talk about like kind of the biggest wrestlers of the day speaking their piece, ghostwritten or otherwise. But the the semb- the the theory seems to be, and that's why I add up was that Vince McMahon thought there was big dollars in just the Olympic brand and saying, look, we're professional wrestling. There is this other world of wrestling, and I want to have a bit of that because Olympics fever had struck in you know the early nineties particularly. I think from ninety two onwards, Vince had this thing in his head that. We could get an Olympian and it's going to be the biggest thing in the world. And it wasn't with Mark. It wasn't... But he didn't even say any of it, so why, why would it be? I mean, they are saying here, you know, yeah, like, the match and all 20... that. Oh, well, I get what you mean, the Jerry Lawler match. Yeah, I mean, they're saying it here when he's off to the Olympics. But once he goes to the Olympics, that's it. We never talk about it again. Right. I mean, you never got it, though, because Kurt didn't really get that. He's an Olympian, isn't it great? No, but he says it himself. He goes, I'm an Olympic gold medalist. Ooh. It's his whole thing. And he ca- he wears his gold medals to the ring. It's part of his whole branding. And it was a heel character as well. I don't think it ever could have worked, them having, you know, Mr. Olympics, who's like the goody who no. went to the Olympics. Although, you know what? Actually, I disagree, because I think if anyone could have done it, it's Mark Henry. Yeah. Mr. Twinkly, charming Mark Henry, genuinely strongest man in the world. He had a few more years of training under his yeah, belt. Yeah, exactly. Like... If they'd just like, you know, been a bit cleverer about 
about when to push him. If mm. they're just like, you know, those those five years where he's tr- learning as he goes, if they'd just done that kind of off camera, mm. I think he really could have been like a legitimate, like the Olympian character face, the way that Kurt never could have been. He says at this point, like, you know, he had a bad attitude by now because he was like, I'm the worst loser in the world. He was embarrassed by what happened at the Olympics. And it was kind of meant to be implying that he was using that anger and disappointment to kind of like, right, I'm going to focus on to wrestling. He did improve in those years, but he was still, you know, if you're listing people who are on TV in terms of wrestling skills and ability, he'd be right towards the bottom, really. But, you know, you can make the argument that like China, he had such a unique look and presence that he should have been on that show, irrespective of actual wrestling ability. We saw a lot of clips of him training. Yes. And it was shocking. With everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They pulled out all the stops. Yeah, literally every wrestler. It it was funny. I think we were watching it and you were like, oh, it's amazing that they had, you know, people like Albert Albert and Edge. I'm like, those are his classmates. It just seems to be from what we watched. Every class was set up like, we're all going to help Mark. No wonder, here's yeah. Dory Funk Jr. and Dr. Tom and fucking everyone like and I, I don't yeah I do wonder if it's just like you know it, it's just a clip taken out of context you don't know you, you know if it was just they were taking it in turns to, to train and wrestle Patterson or, was there too <laughs> or if it's a case of like you know they were all training and then it was like okay well Mark's so crap we have to all stop now and just all help Mark because you don't know and if it is the latter that again would kind of make you understand a bit more how they resent him because if he's kind of like taking up the majority of the training yeah. time you would kind of be a bit bitter it reminded me I mean I know you've done like panto and stuff I don't know if it ever happened to you but like when we were in school we did the field for like our, our second to last year it was our big play Irish classic and all and we had a friend in our group who were like he's not the best actor but he is so the actual character that he's meant to be in like he is pretty much the character in the play and like right. we we just know that if he could put two and two together he'd be fucking great and he really struggled but we like we were so convinced and he was as well a little bit that he could do it and we spent all, a lot of our time we rehearsing like let's just help this guy because yeah. we, we know if this works it'll all work and it did in the end but we had to do a lot of work and a lot of times it was behind the directors and back to be like Look, we just have to make sure he's up to snuff because we're worried he'll get cut and I do get that sense of like we're all in this together and this person's kind of not on the same level but mm. we really really want them to be it's fucking exhausting though. I mean, I was a kid when I was doing that. You know, I don't think I'd be able to do that these days. Yeah, and I think as well, it's it's probably a bit less like we're all in this together if one, you know, that one person is being paid 10 or 20 times your your salary. Mm, yeah. With like none of the experience. <laughs> Again, that's where the resentment bubbles in from the ground up. Like, I can't imagine that's what just... someone like Edge thinks. He's yeah. got zero slashed off of his money compared to Mark Henry, I would imagine. But that's like wrestling though. You think like these idiots sometimes they all have concussions but like you think they'd be able to put two and two together and go what's the common link oh it's vince mcfucking man maybe better hate mark henry yeah, then. Better hate mark henry <laughs> <laughs> like you know i'll never begrudge anyone who gets paid money by someone who's going to pay it to them you know it's it's if it's vince yeah. mcmahon who's doing Take that like 
It's not your. It's yeah. not your issue what someone else's bank account no. looks like. If you got an issue, bring it up with Vince. Oh, what's that? You're scared. Well, then that's your own fucking issue, isn't it? Well, it turns out I had an issue. I brought it up with Vince, and I walked out with a pay cut. And, <laughs> and now I think it's a really good idea. Here's like, an idea <laughs> for all those wrestlers who like want to be paid as much as Mark Henry: become the world's strongest man. There you go, easy. Or go in with your dad, and then he loses all power because Vince <laughs> is like, "Who's this guy?" He's like, he's my actual dad. Like, blah, 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 blah. You won't know what to do then, Joe. He'll revert into his original state. I have no idea what you're referencing. The fact that Vince McMahon always makes himself be your weird father figure. Oh, right, yeah. Actual course. dad with you, bulletproof. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Try me, Vince. I've got my dad. <laughs> he is put into the nation of domination. This is one of the kind of age-old things that you do in wrestling where you got a nice big faction, you've got kind of the veteran, you got you got a couple people there to be like the heavies, and then maybe there's one or two people who are in there to kind of be polished up for the next generation. And the benefit of the Nation of Domination is that no less than three people in that group thought that they were the person who was going to be like kind of polished up and be the next guy. It obviously was The Rock and not Mark Henry, but he says that it was the learning tree times a million going into the Nation of Domination. Yeah, because he says he learned loads from The Rock, which, yeah. I mean, it's funny that Rock's being the one who's, you know, he's the chosen one to be the big star, and yet The Rock is, like, the mentor. Never heard anyone ever say remotely anything like that with The Rock that he was, you know, helping out and all that jazz. Probably too busy helping Mark Henry. But mind you, (laughs) that actually makes me like The Rock more, because if everyone else was hazing Mark Henry and The Rock was, like, probably able to see that and go well you know i'm an up-and-coming star i've got a lot of you know i've got family connections in this business i am really well connected and privileged to be where i am Mm. plus i've got the raw talent yeah i will help this guy what was really cool about it was that i you know mark and the rock used to travel on the roads together all right and i was reading up some interviews and he was like yeah it was always a pain traveling with the rock because he always insisted on taking a vcr and his tape collection everywhere he went (laughs) so he could you know when they go to the hotel they plug in the vcr he'd he'd make mark watch the matches back and they'd critique him together it's kind of like ddp but you've got a friend so it's less weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) and they kind of sidestepped greatly what the nation of domination was all about they played the music and then they're like the Nation of Domination, man, the demeanor of that group was, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And that's what I liked about them. And I was like, um, it's not really what the Nation of Domination was about, but whatever. So what, what was the Nation of Domination? The Nation of Domination, Joe, was one nation under Farouk with liberty and justice for none. The idea was that it was every fear a white person would have after reading half of a headline about black nationalism and then they thought this is what it is and Vince Russo made a storyline out of it. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> Look, here there's there's things that work for it and against it, mm. you know, and I'm kind of halfway through looking at it on the Ashley Era podcast in Stasis, so I can't really give you the full scoop. Was it like kind of deliberately done to stoke that racial tension, you yeah. know, in the same way that Goldust was used to stoke the homophobic tension and whatnot? Right. Very much was that. It's like, oh, you're scared of black people, are you? Well, here's black people and they're going to talk about taking over the world. It used things like by any means necessary, like a lot of Malcolm X verbiage. They did the black power fist and salute. But they were made to be heels. 100% heels. 100% heels. The other side, you can argue, it got a lot of black talent on screen who otherwise wouldn't have gotten to be on screen. It provided a platform for them to be able to talk about issues in wrestling specifically. Like Ron Simmons would speak at great length, very articulately, about how it's a racist business, even though Ron Simmons himself does not subscribe to that viewpoint. Oh. 
But, you know, it gave people like the Rocket Platform and Mark Henry and D'Lo and that. And, that, and they all loved doing it together because they all got to hang out together and the be friends. irony of Ron Simmons, who doesn't think that the WWE is racist. The Rock, who believes he transcends race. Yeah, Owen Hart was in there at one point as what? well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's stop trying to figure out the nation of domination at that point, I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> it's like such a racial angle and yet you've got some of the, like the least fussed, the least fussed about racism black individuals in this team <laughs> probably one of the only reasons why they did it to be honest that's true you actually know. ah yes ron simmons is an interesting one uh, farouk best pals with jbl in real life you know and i do believe their kind of viewpoints particularly jbl's on like racism in wrestling very much the old school idea of what we 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 came to this conclusion in 1997. You know, ah, right, yes, you racism know. ended in 1997. I yeah. don't see color, yes. he said into the abyss. We have equality now. So the one quote I got from Mark about Ron Simmons was, "He's the first man I ever met where I had to give pause about how I would beat him up." Because he's like, like he's, he's like, I'm not being like big head or anything, but literally every time I'd ever seen anyone in my life before, there was a no question in my mind if we got into a fight, I'd like rip their fucking arms off. And, you know, he just knew that he was stronger than everyone. But Ron Simmons, he like, he'd see him in the locker room and he'd just catch himself being stared at because Mark would be there going, what would I actually do? Like, if I was to fight him, how would I go about it? Because... He's a very strong, like, he's very strong and very fast. And, like, Ron would look up and be like, what are you looking at? And he's like, oh, nothing. And he's like, you're trying to fight me again, aren't you? Like, no, no, not at all. And that's kind of, there was a serious hierarchy there, I think, in that group. It was good for him to be with a veteran, I guess, to kind of give him, like, the discipline of training and all that jazz. But the nation domination is something which I don't think the WWE are ever going to talk about in great length mm. I mean, because Mark Henry and the nation domination are one of the few people who had blackface parodies done of themselves in the WWE <gasps> and I'm not talking about X-Pac the man who also shat in his sandwich you know, oh my blacking up god and you know, you know I'm not not here to be calling everyone out and all that I'm just saying what people said and that was in their hearts at the time they all have platforms now they're all on Twitter they all have podcasts I'm sure that they've, it's been I, I haven't listened to every episode of X-Pac one two three sixty. Maybe he's addressed it. Maybe he's apologized. Mark seems to be totally at peace, by the way, with all the bullies and all the shit he's put up with over his years. That's typical, like because he's had success though as well. That reads, yeah. Gotta, you know. And like as we were saying, like The Rock, Ron Simmons, like, and even like I think if you go so far as to like with people like. I'm not very familiar with Booker T, but I'm pretty sure Booker T even is a little bit like that. There are certain very high profile black wrestlers from the WWE who have just been like convinced that racism doesn't exist anymore. Or just they struggle to see where, like, with it doesn't Leo... affect them, it doesn't yeah. affect anyone else. It's like. You mentioned Booker T there and like Mark Henry. The comments from both of those men about Leo Rush when Leo Rush was yeah, like, I'm exactly. experiencing like a bit of institutionalized racism here. And like, both of them were like, no. Well, look, it ended with Mark Henry saying he's going to sue Leo Rush. Ah, Jesus Christ. And yeah, we'll get into it in the tweets, but there were some people who are like, you know, I love Mark, but I'm really disappointed that he's become like quite a shill for the company. Yeah. And like, Mark is very passionate about, you know, racial equality. In his Hall of Fame speech, it's the first thing he says mm. about equality. Of you know race, gender, what you know, a physical ability, backgrounds of any sort. He he lives and breathes it. But it's always you have to bear in mind that corporate filter of WWE. Yeah. You know, 
And it's, I mean, they do it to, like, you know, women of the past as well. Like, mm. you, you have these women who are treated like shit. Trish Stratus is, like, yeah. doing a lot, a lot of work there to make you know that she's okay with that, yeah. all the shit she did with Vince, and oh, that makes not, it okay. Yeah, it's not sexist, actually, because I'm a woman and I'm saying it's not. like it's, But it it's, works, though, as well. That's it does the thing. Work, it has but, weight. But also, it's, like, just to make it very clear that you can't speak on behalf of all other people. Yeah. It's, it's very much the case. And I'm, like, I'm not saying that any individual wrestler that we mentioned there has got it completely right or completely wrong. It's just that I feel the tendency of certain wrestlers to shut down chats about racism and stuff well, like because, that is I mean, very strange. It's probably the only reason, I just say the only reason, it's probably one of the big reasons they're all as successful as they are because the ones that did speak out probably got fired. Mm, yeah, it's true. I mean, like, Mark had no shortage of, of, of issues in his time, but I think with Mark... It was coming from a lot of different places, yeah. you know, and that's the thing I always come back to. It's like, hey, who's to say why a wrestler did like one of those limitless, horrible, mean pranks did it to Mark because you know there was a racial aspect to it, but it's kind of disguised away because it's like, well, actually, no, it's about him being injury prone and him getting too much money and him being a disappointment and the Olympics thing and all that, you know. It kind of it feels like his experience, even though he experienced a lot of bullying, is not the typical experience yeah. of, like, if you were a young black wrestler coming into WWE mm. a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, before you get up in arms about it, just read, like, Leo Rush's comments about it. We talked about this on our Patreon at the time when it was happening. But he was talking about stuff like, is it right for me to have to go and get, like, big crates of fucking water for, like, my, my mostly white colleagues and, and also, stuff, you know? like, being made to do it in front of fans. Like, being sent out as, as a performer, yeah, in character to go out and do menial tasks that is normally, you know, expected of, like, an intern, not a not a superstar. It's, it's humiliating. Yeah, I think it, they're not going to have the, a conversation about that aspect of things because I think... Mark doesn't seem to view it as part of his story here. Yeah. And that's that you, you know, you can't like, you know, expect it to be always. It just that's his viewpoint on it. It is sad. You know, it is bad when a lot of the time you're just like, I hope that the issue never comes up so I don't have to hear him talk about it. I'm like, I'm fucking talking about like one of the most iconic African-American wrestlers of yeah. all time. And I'm like, please, 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 no one bring up anything about mm. it because I'm worried what he's going to say. I feel that about Booker T a lot of the time yeah. as well. It's just fucking wrestling, isn't it? It's, like, yeah, it's so wrestling. It yeah. says more about wrestling than them as people, I think. We got into some of Mark Henry's more kind of character-based moments now. And he's kind of realizing, right, I've got kind of shortcomings in the ring, but maybe let's lead into that personality a little bit. It's hard to remember... A time where he wasn't like sexual chocolate or he wasn't you know, the guy with the twinkle in his eye. But for like around a year or two, Mark was just this like solemn heavy in the background who just hit people and, you know, didn't really have much character at all. Boring. Very boring. And like, I always love the date segments with him in China. You know, I, I it's one of my favorite stuff ever. But I was very shocked to see like the little extended takes we got in this oh, documentary so good vince and delo's hat so delo is asked to be mark henry's limo driver for the date with china i love it starts off with him like i got you a cool suit he's like awesome like, cool glasses like cool nice. and, like, and you got the chauffeur's hat what? Like, what? and yeah you get to see just some glimpses in this documentary of vince telling D'Lo and Mark kind of like what to do and he see him put on the hat and he pulls this little face and it's so funny I love it it just makes me think of all the footage that you know is, is out there somewhere yes of Vince directing yeah, and having fun favourite stuff to see he clearly thinks that Mark Henry as an entertainer 
is way more bankable at this point than Mark Henry, the Olympian or the athlete or whatever. And, you know, I can totally see why, because him and Mark have a very similar sense of humour. Like They're both quite juvenile and immature with what they find funny. And I don't necessarily mean that as a harsh criticism, because I think there can be upsides to that as well. But they just both seem to have fun, like coming up with ideas together. Like it's, it's just something they both get. I think sexual chocolate being pitched to Vince from Mark... Is like it's the exact coalescence of their yeah. two like very juvenile senses of humor. Honestly, I thought sexual chocolate was something Vince came up with and then pitched to Mark. I didn't realize until we watched this documentary that it was the other way around. Yeah, they used to just like apparently they'd be driving in the cars, cutting like silly promos and all that, and he started referring to himself as sexual chocolate, and <laughs> everyone's cutting up and thinking it's the funniest thing ever. So before you know it, here he is on TV. He's sexual chocolate, and like it's such a weird gimmick. Because there's so many facets to it. Mm. Like, they want you to believe now that it was just like, he's a ladies' man. Ah, Mark, he liked the ladies' man. Yeah, he likes the ladies. Like, the original pitch of sexual chocolate was that Mark was a sex addict to the point where they explained why he underperformed in wrestling and made mistakes and was gassed all the time. It's because Mark was with the ladies. That's why he can't wrestle more than five minutes. I'm like, all right, that's really fucking shit. But like, I get why you're doing this. They did all these segments that me and Adam had to watch where he went to sex therapy. And it's like, I lost my virginity when I was like nine years old. I'm, I'm sexually attracted. It's, we're watching Trailer Park Boys. And it's like, you know, when Randy's like, I'm seeing all this stuff bubbles. I'm kind of confused. He's like, well, there's this type of thing here. And then there's this as well. He's like, well, I kind of like it all. And that's kind of what Mark's meant to be, like, attracted to everything. Did you actually have him in segments with, like, not women then? Well, he first has Dr. Andrea Early, who is his uh, sex therapist, Mm. which we believe is some sort of a sex joke. And he starts coming on to her and he's like... like literally the first segment is like hello mark i'm your sex therapist he just like goes to grab and kiss her like no no no, just sit sit down i'm your sex therapist we're going to talk oh okay and the twist they do at the end is he has like weeks and weeks of sex therapy and at the end it's like thanks doctor you made me realize that i'm just like i'm a very sexual being i have a very large appetite and i just need to like keep up with my own appetite and it turns out it's the godfather like the pimp hat is like yeah exactly that's what we're talking about and really glad you came to sex therapy mark we kind of figured it all out here together so like he went to a pimp for his sex therapy was the was the gag at the end what to have sex with the pimp no he didn't have sex with the pimp joe you're saying that he would have sex with whoever so like he wasn't straight right yeah like hot girls sexy girls godfather's hoes that's also sexy girls that's how WWF pitched it, you know? It's just like, he like... And then it's May Young! He's, he's into May Young! Can you believe it? What? It wasn't as if he was out, like, this pansexual deity or anything like that. Waste. And that's the thing. You can recap sexual chocolate in 20 different ways and come to 20 different conclusions of what the gimmick was. But I think what it was mostly was taking quite very serious issues and then making lies of them. Like, that is the heart of what it was. Because sex addiction is... I mean, fucking hell, that's not an easy life to be living, is it? No, but that's, again, it's very Vince McMahon does wrestling because... Imagine being addicted to sex. (laughs) He hears this thing that's a serious issue but sounds funny to a 10-year-old and he goes with it as a funny thing because he is a 10-year-old inside. The kind of low light of the whole sexual chocolate Mark Henry ladies' man thing, and I think we may have brought this up before on, on a live show, 
but they did this whole thing where China's like, oh, Mark, I'm going to set you up with my friend. You're going to really like her. And Mark meets this lady and he's like, oh, this is great. And they have a lovely day and all that. And then it gets hot and heavy. And he's like, oh, she has a penis. And he runs off like, oh. insane. literally show him getting sick. So he's not like into everyone. No, then. of course not. That's a fucking no. lie. Just a bullshit thing that they say. And that like, would have been so cool though. Like if they, oh. Wrestling's ready for it, baby. Fucking... Oh, I don't, I don't even know if it is. I mean, the fans, I think we're ready. But WB, <laughs> I don't know if they're ready. Vince McMahon has to die first, I guess. Definitely. It's not just the fact that it's like, oh, she had a penis and he runs off like, and he's all like fucking screaming. They literally afterwards, it's him gagging, getting sick. And then they cut to his mother in the oh. front row crying. And say, all right, Vince, we figure out what your opinion is on, on transgender people or whatever. Like, grand. And like, I hate it as well because there was some documentary about the Attitude Era. And Mark did try to explain it. He's like, hey, I know it was tasteless and all that, but I had like, you know, people come up to me and say, well, thank you for having that on screen because it was representation. Like, get the what? fuck out, Mark. fuck off. Your values don't comply with this. You don't have to pretend that they fucking do. Also, it's re- I just, I really am bothered. I know it's not the point. I am bothered by the laziness of that storytelling. Yeah. Like, because they are trying so hard to be edgy and alternative. And yet here they have an opportunity to actually be alternative by having a character who is a supposed sex addict have sex with whoever and not make a big deal out of it. Yeah. And it would have been progressive, alternative and shocking at the time. Yeah. And they didn't fucking do it because they were like, hey, 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 women with penises. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I always kind of think if he didn't have this gimmick, sexual chocolate and all it entails, the, the, the nice bits and the ugly bits, you know, if it didn't have all of that, his career would have been fucked. But I really, really think the reality is if Mae Young hadn't come along, it would have been triply fucked. Because mm-hmm. I think when people think of, of sexual chocolate, they think of the, the the hand being born and then they think of Mae Young and Mark together and that kind of odd couple, which having watched and rewatched and rewatched, like it warms my heart. I love the Mae Young, Mark Henry pairing. It's a very good balance of of kind of edgy. Because she is a really old woman and it is quite shocking to see this like massive sex addict wrestling strongman character have rampant sex with this old, old lady. And then the stuff with the giving birth to a hand. Like it's it's tasteless and shocking in a way that doesn't actually offend anyone. And this is (laughs) the sweet spot, I think, of wrestling that we all kind of feel quite nostalgic about even if we haven't grown up with it. Because you look back at it, it's like, okay, it's a hand, but like it's not as if anyone's having fucking you know, having a pop at them for no yeah, reason, you know? It's not, it's not going to result in hate crimes. Everyone involved thought it was hilarious. Yeah. No more so than Vince McMahon himself, who refuses to this day to explain himself. The reason behind it, in case you've not checked out our May Young episode, is... <laughs> It's a hand. Yeah, Mark says in this documentary, he's like, I asked Vince, you know, is there meaning behind it? Is it a metaphor? You, you know, is there some kind of like secret subplot that you have planned? It's a hand. <laughs> and it's a really gooey hand. It's all covered in like placenta. Yeah. Nope, not good. Not good at all. Not good. Just, I don't like that goo. I don't like talking about that goo. It, it, it upsets me. The, the goo on the hand upsets me more than the hand itself or the concept of someone giving birth to a hand. <laughs> if it just a clean hand came out, I'd probably think it's one of my favourite segments of all time. Oh, no, the goo is what makes it really funny. Because <laughs> it kind of makes it more realistic because it's the placenta. It yeah, because... Uh, Vince, <laughs> look, 
I'm sorry, you just don't understand me the way Vince does. <laughs> he gets it. It's the, look, because why would it just come out otherwise? That makes no sense. It's She's giving birth yep. to a hand. Yeah. <laughs> if you give birth, there's going to be placenta, blood. It's funny. You it's know a what? hand. I know I said in the May Young episode, but if you're someone who fucking tweeted me back in the day angry about how it was obviously meant to be a sex toy from the 30s seriously fuck <laughs> off what a waste of breath it's a hand it's a hand it's a hand the end and i like how they set up from there and then they were like yeah at the time as well they thought that i had bad psychology you cut to someone else mark was lazy at the time quite frankly <laughs> so we sent him to ovw to learn how to actually wrestle now this was some grim footage here you were like what the fuck is this? Like, it was showing the old clips of OVW of Mark talking with Jim Cornette on low-res quality. It was the old the old training grounds for back in the day. So it's kind of like a developmental promotion? A little bit like half developmental, half finishing school. Third half is it's an actual local kind of... Yeah, we're, we're actually in Kentucky here. We're going to put on some wrestling shows at the weekend. We have local TV. It was its own self sufficient company in that respect and that it made its own talent and its own stars and then he would send people down like hey here's this young kid brock lesnar randy orton you know make them into a star make them ready for tv or in the case of mark henry and it all happened to the big show this guy ain't good anymore make him make him a proper wrestler it's humiliating i think because he's there in his like sexual chocolate gear trying to get a new gimmick on he's like i'm the best wrestler in the world and everyone's like ha ha mark henry gave birth to a hand yeah why would they not just keep why, why did Vince make him sire a hand? Which is obviously something Vince thought was really good and funny. And then was like, I've changed my mind. That was Vince there talking about what he was going to do. I just don't understand like, why, if he loves the gimmick so much, loves the storyline, the angle, why not keep it at OVW? Okay, so my theory with this is because people on the internet can't help themselves with doing Vince McMahon booking sex analogies like mm-hmm. yeah so here what it is vincent man does something like that what's happening here hit mark and henry go over to ohio valley wrestling this is vince turning over after he's he's had his fun now and going to sleep oh, lights off i don't right. care now he's, he's he's got nothing else to do with mark henry he's done his big funny thing he's, you're not he's had his fill you're not gonna top that the sexual chocolate character literally peaked at that moment and it's true you, what what can how can you follow up from that you can't I think... So send him away. Send him away with no real... That's the thing, though, about Mark. Mark got sent away many times with no real plans to bring him back. I always thought it was like, they're waiting for him to break. Like, they're waiting for him to go, fuck this. You know, I know I've been paid well, but I'm going to break off the golden handcuffs and just go do my thing. And they don't have to pay him anymore. But they were making a lot of money at the time, so I guess there was no skin off their nose. Yeah. But he says this is the darkest period in his life because... He was in Ohio Valley Wrestling. He knew that he was floundering. He wasn't progressing the way he felt he should be. His mom had just passed away. And he said as well, in the strongman community, people were calling him out. Yeah. The other strongmen were getting very annoyed that he had called himself the strongest, world's strongest man. Like, as his gimmick. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is them actually being upset. And the other thing is, like, them being like, I know this is good publicity for me to call out a wrestler who won't be able to do anything about it. Oh, I think it's it's a bit of both, and 
but like I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, you know, all that stuff we were saying about wrestling and how they have to overcompensate because they, you know, they feel they have something to prove. Mm. I think it goes the other way as well in that people think that, you know, wrestlers do have something to prove because it's fake. Yeah. And I think a lot of powerlifters, strong men, who are legitimately some of the strongest people on this planet, would look at this professional wrestler and go, yeah, okay, he had a bit of success in his youth, but he's not the world's strongest man, is he? He's given, you know, he, he, look what he's doing on TV now. Yeah, That's giving, probably... Giving birth to a hand. Look, here, here's me with the odd time where I think Vince McMahon is such a master puppeteer where I wonder if he's like, and if I keep doing this, putting him in gimmicks and angles like this, the strongman community will start calling him out. <laughs> and then he'll probably want to go away and prove him wrong. And like, Mark is this. this I I really hope that's not the case, just because like Mark's emotions here. He said this is the first time in my life I had hate in my heart. Yeah. Fucking hell. So he wants to go off and basically prove him wrong. Like he just wants to put a pause in the wrestling career. I'm going to go off now. He'd been injured. He'd come back. You know, they, they tell you about like a, probably a quarter of the injuries that Mark actually gets in his career in this doc. And he's like, All right, I'm going to go off now. I'm going to train for. He only had three or so months to actually do it, and he's going to go enter the Arnold Classic. Yeah, who was it they interviewed? It was a big show, I think. And he was like, you know, normally in these competitions, you train for, you know, half a year to a year, maybe. Yeah, to camp prepare, at least, yeah. You know, to prepare your body, your mind, you know, get your diet straight. Like, it takes a huge amount of your life to prepare for this. And Mark took three months. And he was in the middle of burying his mother at the time as well. Fucking which is, hell. like, is unbelievable. And in, just in case... There's not enough pressure on you to go and enter into that world and try and prove a lot of naysayers wrong and like kind of prove yourself to be a better version of you when you were younger. Fucking pressure alone. He goes to Vince and says, hey, I want to go and compete in the Arnold Classic and try and legitimately gain the title of World's Strongest Man. And Vince says to him, just so you know, there's no room in the World Wrestling Federation for the second strongest man. So basically, you lose. You're out of the family. Fuck me. I mean, he's not wrong, is he? After, no, after still. branding himself as the world's strongest man, you can't then go off and prove that you're not. Because, yeah, I mean, Vince is like, you might as well just stay here and, like, keep using the branding. Other mm. than, like, you're just going out to risk the branding. You'll either make it stronger or, you know. You'll ruin it entirely. I think it was do or die because at that point in time, I think if Mark hadn't done something like this, there was no upside from, I think, it still being in wrestling. That makes me think, though, that Vince did all this intentionally because, like, as you say, like, where does he go after this if not legitimately legitimizing his, his strongest man, yeah. Noma? And, like, I think... Like, don't... <laughs> I, I think this a little. And I, I would say only a little because I think it's used as a stick to beat everyone over the fucking head with least of all if you're under the age of 35 mm. but a little adversity is good for the soul i say a little adversity yeah and mark had success come to him not say like it wasn't work or anything like that but it came quite naturally to him because he had such strong support from his community from his trainers from his family how many times we used to do an episode on this show and it's like oh everyone doubted him everyone said it's a bad idea opposite of that yeah so i think this was the first time in his life where he was really up against like where people are like you can't do this you're not good well not first time second time after he joined the wrestling industry i guess but it's okay for wrestling i guess because it's like well i'm still young in this business and all respect brother and all that 
but to be like you can't do this and it's like the thing that you got signed for that people say that you you know got paid too much in the first place that's like they're coming after his fucking identity here you know so i think this was an really important for him to do it yeah actually go out i think vince realized that as well i think that's i'm not saying i think vince went and murdered mark henry's mom although i'm not saying he didn't because i wouldn't put anything past vince but i i think he did kind of like put things in place to make a character shift happen yes. by either make or breaking it yeah and i think vince does that a lot oh yeah he's very good at moving the chess pieces so mm. that those circumstances arise you know listen to anything we said about bret hart or just half the fucking wrestlers on the roster we've done episodes on and yeah if Vince McMahon's in their career he's probably done that at some point yeah. <laughs> the couple of videos that we watched we watched a lot of footage from the arnold classic watching him do things which had previously never been done before and yeah we're in strongman competition aficionados but watching him lift the thomas inch dumbbell that thing was like 180 pounds and it has the smallest handle in the world it looks like a cartoon weight from the fucking beano and he lifts it over his head multiple times it's never been done before or since apparently and the rule is you have to do it with one arm stretched outright from your shoulder yeah and then go up so it's like there's a, there's a particular form to doing it that makes it really hard but really shows you have total body strength yeah fucking hell it's you can see the few times where he tries where he's practicing to do it and it's all just about like to have strength that you can make down to such a small, fine point. You'd have to have such strong hands. It's amazing to watch something like this. And I feel really silly because like, they did a gimmick where you know, after the strongman competition, he came back and it's like, he's the world's strongest man. No, for real. And they do all these gimmicks where like Christian's like, well, bend this frying pan then. Or Tess like, <laughs> well, bend this rebar then. And he'd do it. Like, as a kid, I was like, fake, 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 fake. And I'm like, it does look a bit fake though. That's the, that's the trouble. Yeah. Anything like that with strength looks fake because to us, it's like, well, you can't do that. You're not a robot. You're human. Yeah. And I think like watching him do a few of the contests in the actual confines of a strongman competition where you're lifting big fucking bales of fucking of wood or carrying trucks on your back yeah man <laughs> one we saw where he lifts a car but he doesn't have like a hot you know often you see people lift cars and they have a harness and all this equipment to make sure it's safe on their body and it's comfortable it doesn't damage them no he just he like kind of opens the car door puts the the top of the car door just over the back of his neck and then just lifts it up with his shoulders he has one tool that he uses joe it's it's it's, it's actually a might want to look back at some of mark's records because he does use a towel now and then oh yeah he does use a towel pop a towel on the neck he can move a car anyone could do that if you got a big enough towel what are you talking about <laughs> like you know uh, i have almost the exact same pan that christian asked mark henry to bend yeah and it is a lighter looking pan but yeah, that's still going to move. Like, he just puts anything he wants to bend near his groin and goes, at, and then it's bent in, in several pieces. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's most impressive about him is that he is strong all over. It's not just a case of, yes, he can lift things. It's a case of, yes, he's got this ridiculously strong hands. He can lift things with his shoulders. He can lift things with his legs. When he does the rebar pole and he snaps that in half, he does it on his leg. And like, yes, you have to have strong hands to do that, but to do it on your leg, you have to have legs made of steel. (laughs) Like, there's no part of his body that's not rock solid. I just loved watching the clips of him trying to like fire up the audience. Cause it's like, he's about to like lift something where it's been, people lift it once 
and he he lifts it twice, which is a world record. Then he lifts it a third time, and he starts dancing afterwards. <laughs> I love the little or dance. He's about to lift the Thomas Inch dumbbell, which no one has ever lifted over their head before. And he just goes, a little quiet in here. And he starts milking the crowd. And everyone's like, way! And it's like, you know, a room full of bodybuilding aficionados. Most of them are ex-bodybuilders. Arnold Schwarzenegger's there, like, in awe of him. Yeah. And, like, in terms of the title of World's Strongest Man, he dominated at that Arnold Classic and apparently in the in the strongman community there are two contests that are considered to be like the contests you could pick a random sample of 10 strongman aficionados five of them would say arnold classic and five of them would say the world's strongest man competition but the thing is is that the guy who mark beat in the arnold classic that year was the guy who won the other contest so he broke like three world records while he did it he beat the guy who who won the other contest he did it at three months notice like the only person who comes close to doing something like I wasn't even really trying was when Arnold entered his own bodybuilding expo after doing Conan the Destroyer it's like I'm in great shape Arnold Schwarzenegger's talking with him and he's in awe of him yeah Arnie's properly like marking out <laughs> Mark Henry <laughs> and to think when he came back in 2002 and I was arms folded oh right yeah world's strongest man if you'd sure. seen that fuck me the, the 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 glee in Arnie's eyes and he's like I saw you last year and you lifted that weight and it was very cool <laughs> <laughs> now Here's what happens in the WWE documentary. Mark Henry comes back in 2002 from having done a extremely impressive turnaround, proved all the naysayers wrong. He looked so happy and fulfilled because like, he did it, you know, with his mother in his heart, like he dedicated it to her. He's top of the world. And then in 2011, Mark Henry entered people into the Hall of Pain. There were nine years that happened to take place between <laughs> there. Skip to the end. Ah. This is a period of time where Mark was refining the character. He was able to be that monster heel. He wasn't quite yet that finished product, though. Why did they make him heel? Because he's big, he's strong, he's scary. And Eh, Undertaker needed opponents. Goldberg needed an opponent. You know, that was kind of Mark's role then. He settled into that big monster, you know? Oh, see, I just, I just don't think that's right for him. Not saying that he was a bad heel, just to me, naturally, he becomes world's strongest man to like, you know, dedicate to his dead mum. He's the most charismatic powerlifter ever. Like, just like, just be him. Just be himself. Like, do a little dance. Do some strength things, feats of strength, and then do a little dance. Talk to the crowd a bit. Like, that's honestly, that's all I'd need to see. And I'd be like, yeah, fucking favorite wrestler ever. Because I think you like his actual personality so much seeing this version of him and i think there was always a bit of a sense of like you're putting on a bit of an act yes because he couldn't he couldn't cut a a promo really still that wasn't like ah you know a little bit of that kind of show you know short to the point like an old like he was your perfect quintessential 80s big strong guy and he's going to challenge hogan at the civic center brother and you know hogan will beat him you know he had that monster heel but he's not he's not like going to be remembered past his time surely and there was a point, though, where I was 100% on board the Mark Henry train. And it was when another fellow injury-prone wrestler, Batista, he got an injury. And they decided, right, Mark Henry did it. 
And I always said I love in wrestling when someone gets injured and they say, he did it. That fucker over there. That, it was them who did it. And then you get all the heat for it. And Mark Henry would brag saying, I broke Batista. He, the animal broke because of me. Like, I'm the strongest man in the world. It doesn't matter I'm not champion. I broke the champion. He had, he had to vacate the belt. You're there six to nine months going, oh, fuck, man. I hope Batista comes back soon, gets his hands on Mark Henry. Batista finally comes back and he's like, right, I don't want to talk about the title. I don't want to talk about anything else. Mark Henry, get your ass out here right fucking now. And for the first time in like 10 years, Mark Henry comes out with a big smile on his face because he's so happy that he broke this man and he's up, he's been living rent-free in his head the whole time. And Mark's literally rubbing his hands and licking his lips like, I'm going to break you again, motherfucker. And then he gets injured. And Wait, Mark does? Mark gets injured, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Imme- and I mean immediately injured. What was it from him, like, licking his lips or something? No, they did, like, a tag match. And, like, literally Mark gets tagged in. And he's, like, screaming, like, I have to tag out. It's my knee. It's my knee. Oh, no. And, like, Batista's there, like, come on, come get me. And Mark's there on the floor, like, full, like, Vince McMahon quad-blown angle. Like, I'm, 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 I am injured again. Except that... Vince wouldn't ever say he was injured. Vince would <laughs> no. carry on with the show from the floor. <laughs> like, watch the broken school. This is normal. <laughs> Everyone sits like this. The ring is my chair if I say it. <laughs> like, Austin talks to him about it on the podcast. And, like, they show, like, the unedited clip of Mark being like, he's frantic, Joe. Like, yeah. He's like, I'm in, help. You know, they show a few clips of him going out in stretches and all that. But that happened a couple of times, oh, you know. And God. I think it's the scariest thing, isn't it, about being so strong. I think it's part of the reason, actually, that Vince had the injuries he had with his quads. Is because when you have that much muscle, you do get injured do more, more damage. easily. Yeah, yeah. You just have more things to hurt. Well, he, well, Vince only tore his other quad because he was trying to stand up. Like, yeah. uh, that's the, the great story that goes. But... Like, they had a clip with Mark Surgeon, and he's, like, tapping, going, like, shit, I don't know how many times I've went down on you. Like, fuck me. Like, what is this, like, surgery 20, 25? And Mark's <laughs> like, yeah, I get hurt a lot. Hmm. Mark's in his 40s at this point as well. It's worth bearing in mind. Yeah. You know, a lot of wrestlers will be winding their careers down. I like, though, how he explains why he decides to kind of, or what leads to him having this career renaissance in 2011 and this kind of famous hall of pain run that everyone likes to talk about he said it's hard to have 15 years of being good and never being great that is a that's a bitter pill to swallow i think now i did regale to you the real life reason why mark henry had this switch flipped at him and it's like i'm angry and i'm going to be this angry horrible character now do you remember what it was and how it related to vince mcmahon he pranked him didn't he he did yeah it was something to do with, like, Vince told everyone to, like, go home at the end of a show. Yeah. But, like, didn't tell Mark and, like, told him to stay or something. So they do a dark match when TV taping ends, usually. So right. it's like, you know, kind of the TV show might end with, like, oh, your favourite good guy is, like, in a fit of rage or something horrible has happened to the face. And you don't want to send the crowd home going, oh, I guess Daniel Bryan's, you know, been killed or whatever. So you put out, like, a couple of other people who have a little fun match just to send you home happy, end on a nice note. It's usually right. some silly stuff. And Mark's meant to be having the match against Sin Cara, allegedly. And there is footage knocking around of this, of Mark stood in the ring, you know, full gear, looking angry, ready to do a match to send people home happy. And crowd's half gone at this point. And Chimmel, the answer's like, ladies and gentlemen, we're just waiting for Mark Henry's opponent to arrive. And Mark's looking around like, all right, what's going on? More people are leaving. There's probably like a quarter of the crowd left there. And it's like, Tony Chimmel's like, yes, we're still waiting, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, if you want to leave now, that's totally fine. We'll be back in Sacramento next year. And eventually Mark just leaves. He doesn't come and he goes backstage. Everyone is gone. 
Everyone is gone. Except for one little intern who gets to see Mark Henry destroy everything. But, like, why are the cameras still there? Why is there still an announcer? Like, I mean, the, the, the crew who take down the cameras and stuff like that, and Chimmel's part of that crew, they leave later on. But in terms of agents, producers, medical, all the wrestlers, all the friends of wrestlers, all that, they're all gone. And they're all gone as well in Vince's insistence, because Vince thinks a really funny prank to run it on Mark would be pretend he has a match and then no one comes out and then he has to stand there like an idiot like there's pranks and then there's fucking mind games like what right whatever it is about the prank you're pulling on mark henry i can't get my head around what did he think the audience would make of that like are we all gonna slowly leave because if i'm told i'm getting a fucking post-credit scene i'm sticking around to watch it (laughs) like what how is that meant to play out i have no idea it's so needless. Do you think he wanted him to get angry? Because that's what, you know, Mark got angry. He, I he... mean, yeah, I, I can't see any other route. It's not even like it's a funny prank. It's not like a, a lot. The whole point of pranking someone is so you can laugh about their reaction to it. And they're not You're there. You're not even there. That's cruel. see it. It's, it is cruel. Mm. It's also very random, the timing of it. Like So fucking weird. And like the amount of effort that would have gone into yeah. it as well. Like Vince McMahon isn't the type of person that like speaks to the lowly interns and people like he he just doesn't do that and so for him to tell everyone to go home early to wind up mark henry the world's strongest man like that to me knowing vince sounds i mean when you say all that it sounds like he was expecting mark henry to trash the place and then to get to be a big story and an angle yeah and not to be like fucking uh questioning the noble narrative of a wwe produced documentary but like Right, he proves himself to you in 2002 and he's the fucking man and he's the greatest and all that and no questions asked about Mark Henry's legitimacy ever again. Nine years later? Yeah. Nine years later, he's 46 here and you have him stood out there. Put on your gear, out you go. Get stretched, get warmed up. Ha 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 Now, not really. The rampage that he goes on was then kind of like, you know, he meets Vince. He said he's furious with Vince and Vince is like, you know, let's harness that anger. Vince apparently was very apologetic. Yeah. Probably the only time he ever he ever saw Vince be that way. He was so sorry, all that, you know. Which again makes me think it wasn't a prank because Vince would have just laughed at him if it was a prank, right? He'd just be like, ha, ha, ha. You've been trolled. The fuck knows, like, how that man's mind works. It's honestly, <laughs> I, I really am at a complete, like, loss. Because it's, it's one thing if it was just like, oh, this thing happened, it was a mistake, Mark got annoyed, and then, you know, we like, hey, remember that time you got angry? Why don't we make that into an angle? But instead, it's like this kind of like hard reset of his fucking personality, even though it seems like he's doing all right. Like I tell you, oh, you know, 2009 and 10, Mark was fine. Like he was still a dominating presence. He was still a heel with heat. You know, he was doing everything he'd want him to do. Mm. But no one, least of all me, could expect how entertaining and how fucking captivating this guy you've been on screen for 15 years would be just by... Like, I showed you the segment, which was kind of what this was based off of. It's him pushing the little intern around and be like, what's this do? It's like, it's, it's, a, it's a... The little intern. The professional wrestler. Biceps the size of my entire body. I love him being thrown into the void. Yeah. It's fucking absolutely brilliant. So he decides to re-christen his career as being about the Hall of Pain. Did you understand what the Hall of Pain was, Joe? It's a simple enough... Uh, Hall. It seems to be like Jericho's list. It's like a vague 
place that doesn't exist. It's a state of mind where his enemies live. Pretty much, yeah. But you had to get beaten up first to be inducted into the Hall of Pain. Okay. And I was sitting there going, all right, you know, we're giving him a little rub. We need to have a new baddie for this month. Oh, he's going to take on Randy Orton. I'm sure Randy will beat him like he always does. And Mark Henry becomes the world's champion for the first time in 15 years. And his promo when he wins, he's so bitter. And I love it. He's like, "I no, don't cheer for me. I'm not sharing this with anyone because you're all haters. You're all doubters. I hate all of you. And this is for me and me alone. They had like, you know, the next night, JR was like, I'm here with the world champion. And he's like, you never believed in me neither. He's like shoving him around, pulling out his tie. Like, you're the reason why like my career was spinning its wheels for 15 years because you cut the legs out from under me. Oh. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. That's such good shit, man. (laughs) And from the category of such good shit, you want to watch some big man meat slap another men's meat? Meat, meat, meat? Meat, 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 meat. Meet me at the place. Yeah, We're going to go watch Mark Henry versus The Big Show for the World Heavyweight Championship from Vengeance 2011, baby. The first thing I noted in this match and its recap package was Big Show's commitment to his new hat. Yes, this little egg warmer. Aww. It's exactly like the type of egg warmer you might get to look after your boiled egg. Oh, you're making me hungry now. No, yeah. An egg the size of the Big Show's head. Oh, yeah, I'm like... only having one egg this morning. I can put you off, though, because that would be an ostrich egg. Oh, no, no, no. Nice. No, that's cursed. And I want that. So there is an absolutely incredible atmosphere here because everyone's just excited to see these two very large men beat the bejesus out of each other. Which Jerry the King Lawler almost immediately negates by saying, I think Mark Henry's got fee-fi-phobia. Just a fear of giants. Boo. <laughs> Mark Henry does a really scary thing with a chair to the big show in a video package before this match. Oh, yes. This is uh, the chair gets put around the leg. Yeah, and then he like climbs up the turnbuckle and like jumps off it onto his leg like that's something i would be scared to see jeff hardy do (laughs) let alone mark henry to the big show i love watching mark throw his body on like you see when he does these moves with people where like they kind of fall on top of him he's so careful at squashing people but you'd never really know it like (laughs) he puts like the tiniest bit of his like his forearm out there and he's like he's totally fine it's okay (laughs) so i think the story was he had broken the big show's leg like over the summer and big show was back with a view to kill mark henry for what he'd done to his precious leg right okay i thought that this match was a very fun big monster mash they were just slamming into each other. They were in like kind of slow motion, but everything felt like super, like the ring was wobbling the whole time. I really got into it. <laughs> yeah, it was a couple of, they kind of worked up to a big spot towards the end of the match where like along the way, Mark would like climb up a couple of the ropes, do a jump off, and then you would, you'd see the whole ring kind of shake and wobble beneath them. So you uh-huh. do immediately feel a sense that, oh shit, these two guys are big and they're heavy. I love mark henry's facial expressions i think he can with a glower fucking give you 20 things to unpack because like the, the story at the start is that the big show keeps beating him to the punch he keeps leaving the ring and he's kind of like he's frustrated and he's a little bit scared like the tiniest bit but you know it's not very easy for someone to be a monster heel to be like i'm out of the ring fuck this and not be like aha coward he didn't give off that vibe at all yeah he gave off the vibe that like he know he just has to like 
figure out what he has to do. Like he was deep in fucking thought, even though he's got three moves in his repertoire. <laughs> and of course, as soon as I was talking about his great facial expressions, I was like pointing at the screen going, Joe, I'm telling you, Mark Henry's facial is probably some of the best in the business. And you look up, there's a big dirty booger down his face. <laughs> yeah, that was upsetting to see. One of my favourite things about Mark Henry in general, but especially towards the end of his career, like from here onwards is he he's so sparkly oh yeah he, he looks like a precious mineral like the way he's so sweaty but mm. the sweat like just shines off him oh i love there's a thing he does when he's getting all like worked up and he comes out to the ring and he like he'll slam his chest <laughs> you know and because he's wearing that kind of singlet that absorbs a bit of water and he's obviously like, sweating he's loads of water and his dreads and all that and he does that and like just a big it's like a Triple H splash comes off of him just because he's so big and he's fucking soaking wet. <laughs> fucking love, love it. All the, but I love the ring gear as well. Like, I always mm. love that he had the singer with a little bit of shine and all that. You know, very rarely we get to talk about like a big powerhouse having immaculate gear, but uh, I'm a big, big fan of Mark Henry's for sure. There is constant chat on commentary about how these two are big boys and you think, all right, we're going to go for like kind of a a Godzilla reference or like big animal. Do you pick up on their animal that they were, they were building towards? They're going hard on the rams. Rams. Like two rams locking up. Two rams ramming together. It's like rams colliding. Rams ramming their way. Like, look, rams are intimidating. They are. But they're quite small. They are. I've come face to face with a ram a few times in my time. Yeah, me too. The only person I know who's come face to face with a ram and was genuinely scared was when I went to the farm with my friend's younger sister, who at the time was seven, and she got attacked by a ram, and it was really scary. The ram might think that it's something to eat. Yeah. But then I I came in as a 12-year-old and was like, just stood in the way and then it was fine so they're not that scary i would have gone with a bull or something bulls would work how about when michael cole goes this is like transformers guys this oh. action oh boy start shaking that camera a little bit then get back to me <laughs> what i like about these two guys is that they're both veterans and they have the crowd in the palm of their hand and i hate the amount of times when veterans wrestle like this when they don't have the crowd in the palm of their hand where it's like slow build up yeah but the fact that they do and it's like oh it's a scoop slam and it was like yeah the big show did a slam can you believe it? <laughs> there's some fucking scary shit here though big show does that uh don't going up to the top big show does that choke slam to mark off the top yeah and it's like, <laughs> like the, the ring is really starting to like allude to what's going to happen there. I love that they do that. I don't know how they've managed to do it, but it's it's great. It just gives you enough of a, oh God, imagine if the ring collapsed. Um, sorry, I just realised I have a follow-up point here from earlier. If Big Show and Mark Henry are, as Michael Cole described, like Transformers, what what type of Transformers? What would they... um? What would they turn into, do you reckon? Well, Big Show's self-evident because he'd turn into a monster truck. <laughs> he already did. He already did, Easy yeah. peasy, yeah. Um, Mark, I'm not sure. He'd be like one of them heel-building ones. Like, he'd be like, you know, kind of like a big steamroller or something like that. Or like kind of a, a wrecking ball or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like that. Now, what you don't know behind the scenes is that when I pose that question to Joe fucking unknown Transformers superfan over here starts saying, oh, he's quite like all these Transformers that I don't even know. I said he wasn't like those Transformers. I was trying to go through my Transformers knowledge and I was like, oh, Bumblebee, obviously, or, you know, there's the lazy choice, Jazz. (laughs) 
<laughs> I wrote allegedly, and I just wrote down. I think Big Show's the Decepticon because he just oh. well, he turns heel all the fucking time. It's his own goddamn fault. Jesus yeah, but he Christ. cries. A Decepticon would never cry. <laughs> <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> So they head up to the top, and yes, the wobbliness was not in vain. The ring is broke! Oh my god, you've seen this happen four or five times in wrestling, including right at the start of the pandemic, when they're like, we're out of ideas, we don't <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, do it with big hoss men. Yeah, right? That feels to me like there's a weight limit that was broken that led to the ring yeah. happening like this. And the fact that it got more bouncy and wobbly the more big moves they did over the time, over the course of the match, it told a story. Yeah, they were building up slowly and yeah. slowly getting to that point. I was fucking... Mind was blown ever watching this live. Could not believe that they had done the ring break spot again. Like, and they'd only they'd done it like nine years prior, I think. Oh, really? So the fact that we've held off on doing it again for Oh well no, it's definitely happened since then. I feel the discipline with the ring breaking is gone. Yeah. And I think them breaking the ring during the pandemic where you could hear every squeak oh. every fucking loaded spring. It was just no. This here though crowd or like a tidal wave of yeah. reactions except they show so many replays did you see booker t when the oh ring yeah broke? no selling it didn't even flinch nah this was your first match i think having booker on commentary what was that like for you as a matter of interest side note like he was quite distracting he's not very good <laughs> he it, d- demands uh, attention like. a lot of the comments about rams were from him yes he, he was really hitting that ram point home yeah hard I also appreciate as well, of course, the match called off, but the super slow-mo, because they hit with such force and they're so big. They got like a couple of extra bumps out of them, I thought. Yeah, Big Show landed three times. Three! Jesus Christ! <laughs> Poor guy. Imagine how bruised he was at the end. Like These lads, were they were in the twilight years here now. They're not spring chickens at all. That's but a least, fucking tough bump. Like, Mark Henry is like in such ridiculous ridiculously good shape like he's got a six pack you can see it through his clothes and like you know for people who haven't seen what mark henry looks like he's a very large man yeah. you could be mistaken for thinking he's fat he still like has muscles shining through 100 yeah so i think for him to land like that it's probably not i mean i'm making big assumptions again it's probably not as big a deal as the big show who is less athletic and less has worked to get to the body he has and is more like genetically just that's what he's like yeah mark is like got such a broad shoulder base on him and yeah. like you were pointing out you could see in his singlet that he has just like this solid fucking six pack yeah it's a lump of pure fucking muscle yeah. you know and he is a meat barrel for mm. lack of a better term yeah uh yeah this was a, a quite a thing to see and I always feel the Hall of Pain probably got overlooked a little bit as being like truly a special, something different, because this happened almost concurrently when CM Punk had his big special summer of punk that people like to talk about. So When he did the poo in the ring. That, that was it, when he did the pipe bomb, which canonically Joe now accepts is when he did the poo in the ring that one time. So it did what get... I like about that, what you've just done there, is that anyone who hasn't heard those other episodes or doesn't know about CM Punk now thinks that you are teaching me that the pipe bomb. Yeah, that's why I'm not allowed to teach anymore. I, <laughs> I didn't say the pipe bomb was a poo in the ring. I just said, did he do a poo in the ring? And then you said, yes, the pipe bomb. So now, now you are continuing this law. But I think the more people look back on that summer of punk, which was like so much fun to watch at the time, 
it was one of those things that you look back on that and it feels like every time you look back at it, there's a new thing to be like, oh, that wasn't so good. Or, oh, yeah, that bit was kind of made it not as good as it could have been. And every time I look back on the Hall of Pain with Mark Henry, it's like, God, that bit was even better than I remembered. Shit, he got three. In, like, they did three matches, Big Show and Mark Henry in 2011. And, like, the third match, the build-up to it was that the Big Show did a top rope elbow drop, which is what he actually tried to do in this match. That's why Mark went up and suplexed him. Wow. And, like, the fact that they built matches around a single move, like, these big men are going to do a thing. That's, like, fucking, you know. And all the little ins and outs of, like, why Mark was feeling this way at this point in time. It's really intriguing stuff. Didn't ex- I don't know if you were expecting that kind of level of depth from Mark Henry. I wasn't. You know what? I, I absolutely was not. And... I thought this match was really good. Like my biggest criticism of it was that Big Show is not good at selling when he <laughs> needs to be. He's forgetful. He's like the commentary team put over that he's broken his leg and that you know this is this main thing is like his leg hurts. Mm. You don't want to see him sell. Like even though Mark goes for the leg at one point in this match, Big Show doesn't really sell it. This is recurring because if you remember, we did New Year's Revolution two thousand six. For our pay-per-view classic, the right. most fun series ever on Patreon. And never he had the broken hand gimmick and that with the hand in the cast. Oh yeah, and he didn't sell that He didn't sell and his hand was in the cast to remind him. So he obviously struggles with some of it, yeah. <laughs> Too busy crying. Oh! That the Big Show shows made you all sorts of ornery for Paul White. No, huh? I love him. I wish that he did sell by crying. I'm, I'm being serious. Like if he was like started crying in pain in the middle of the match, like, oh, my leg, it's so painful. Like a big guy like the giant. Mm. I'd have loved that. It would have brought legitimacy to his injuries, I think. And it would be an interesting way of him selling in his own style. Yeah, definitely. It'd be very unique to, to, to him and... It would mean a lot more coming from from a summit of that size. Never would happen, though. What is your rating for the Battle of the Big Boys? I gave this three stars. So three whole stars more than Jerry Lawler. So fuck him. I was really not... like <laughs> I was not expecting high star ratings for, for Mark, kind yeah. of, to be honest. Just because there is kind of a basicness almost to his wrestling. Definitely. But I think... I don't I don't blame him for that because that's the beauty of wrestling is all the different styles that you get. It's not the moves. It's yeah. not about the moves, it's about how you put them over, how you sell them, how you tell a story. And this is a perfect example of how you take very few moves. Like both of these wrestlers only have a repertoire of like three to five moves. <laughs> yeah. And yet You've it tells very generous. <laughs> I know. And yet it tells a really good story. You're invested. It's like, oh, will they learn another move finally? In the best way possible, this is what I thought wrestling than was when I was like five you know two very big men slowly building up to you know, I, you know you doing probably, an elbow drop <laughs> you can probably show this thing you know anytime we meet a member of your family and they're like ah I remember giant haystacks and big daddy I'm like well fucking dig this you know <laughs> your granddad would love this show I'm convinced <laughs> <laughs> So we get to one of the most infamous moments of Mark Henry's career when he pulled the wool over all of our eyes and fake retired now what was interesting about this segment is that he had been for months and months legitimately telling people, yeah, I'm done. Like they show lots of clips of him going out and doing his kind of advocacy work and being like, yeah, I'm pretty much finished now. Not, not much more doing for me. Yeah, because he at this point, he's a he's a top ambassador for the WWE. So he's doing lots of charity work. He's doing stuff like anti-bullying. He's done stuff for like Special Olympics. He's also worked as a scout for the company as well. Like a lot like 
a busy boy in terms of what he's doing with his time. You know, Braun Strowman, Bianca Belair, like there's a long list of names who are signed to the company because of him. You wow. know, he's been one of those people who's been instrumental in helping a lot of like the big men in the performance center, like Otis and Keith Lee and, you know, helping them know what the style is and what's expected of them. Another thing which I didn't know at all, I only found this out from watching with interviews, is that Mark was very hands-on with like how his matches were like filmed and things like that. So the way that in a lot of his matches, if he's like beating up a smaller guy, he'd insist that the small guy is set up with the camera so he can crawl towards the camera and Mark can loom over them. He's like, makes me look big, makes you look in peril, makes all look better. Or like when he's coming out, you always see a lot of shots with Mark where the camera swings around over his shoulders. Yeah. And that's to give you the the sense of breadth and width yeah, that he it, has. It's film class 101. It's literally what you learn in your first lesson of film. I've never... Wrestlers never talk about that. It's Shoot not, me like this. It's not their fucking job, okay? <laughs> now, I think it's great that he knows this yeah. stuff. It isn't his job. And I'm not... I'm never going to come out of this being like, yeah, all wrestlers should be like Mark Henry and take film class. Like, <laughs> your job is to be a great wrestler and performer. You don't have to know all that stuff. But the camera crew, the people in the gorilla position, all that team, the directors, the producers, they should know that stuff. Absolutely. That's like I, standard storytelling. I think like any... You know, any wrestling group, particularly on a smaller scale wrestling group, I think you'd have to have that like yeah. that dynamic where the the wrestlers are kind of saying, "Well, you know, I'm I'm viewing this in my mind like I'm watching a wrestling match. Here's how I think it should look," and kind of the, working with the camera people to do that because so many times I feel like wrestlers you don't get the sense of them the way you're meant to, and no. it's the camera's fault because the camera tells its own story. And anyone who has even a passing interest in film studies will know that you know if you are working with a villain, you shoot the villain differently. If you're working with like a horror and you're you're following the victim around, there's different camera techniques angles that you can use to imply space or yeah. imply a presence like all these little things that you just you get taught in school if you're or, or if, even if you're teaching yourself that you pick up mark henry's obviously like a fan of film he's like paid attention yeah. it makes a difference i it think it's a big difference when you have a limited repertoire as well yeah like it being shot a particular way will make it seem a lot more impactful than if you're doing an extra flip or whatever it may be yeah <laughs> mark once again falls victim to the Vince McMahon meeting. He's telling everyone, I'm retiring. That's it, I'm done. Hanging up the boots. Goes in to meet with Vince and tell him, comes out with a five-year deal and is, quote, I'm going to die in the ring, aren't I? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, dear, that's so funny. That's so Vince. But I like as well, though, that <laughs> that's kind of like what that fake retirement story is. Yeah. It's like, you think you're getting something and like you're getting something else entirely. You're getting five more years of Mark Henry. That's kind of like what Mark does in this segment is kind of like what Vince does to him in that meeting. Yeah. Explain what happens. There's a salmon blazer. John Cena's in the ring and there's a pair of boots up on the ramp. Like take us through this fake retirement as you recall it. It's been a while since I've seen it, bear in mind. Mm -hmm. But Mark Henry comes out. He, he talks about how, you know, he's had a long tenured career he, you know, he he starts, his voice starts to crack. You can see it's really emotional for him. Oh. He's like, he's talking about, you know, how much he's enjoyed his time being a wrestler and how how happy he is to have been given the opportunities that he has been given. He talks about how he's going to spend more time with his family. His, he brings up his, you know, his kids' names. The fact that he uses the term active roster, which yeah. is such like a non-kayfabe term. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, leaving the active roster. Kind of, he was like saying like, 
I, you know, I'm not ruling out being in a Royal Rumble or whatever. Yeah. That's that's why I bought it so much. Yeah, the fact you said wedding. that and say, like, oh well, he's retiring in the way that you would retire, like the Big Show is retired now. He'll show up now and then. Nothing prepares you for it. <laughs> no, he. He, I can't remember how he does it. Does he just literally go like, ha ha, just kidding? Or does he like, does he attack John? Or? He has tears streaming down his face. I'm going to start crying and say it now where he's like, a poor Silsby boy done proud. It was fucking voice cracking. And he says, tell, tell my kids, daddy's coming home. And John's like, John's like in fucking tears clapping. He raises his hands and John like has the belt and he's like, you should you should wear that and he's like no 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 that's that's for you man all that and then he turns around and he slams him <laughs> so funny you think of that you think it's that easy i still got a lot of gas left in the tank that's what i do by the way that's what i do is the greatest fucking catchphrase ever i love it is it a catchphrase for him yeah yeah he just kill everyone and then he'd be like that's what i do you know after he caused his ha- his chaos and his havoc and that's all a good that one. i like that fucking brilliant so yes, this is setting up the the retirement question mark match. John Cena, Mark Henry, Money in the Bank, 2013. The WWE Championship is on the line. The one belt that has eluded Mark Henry. He is meant to be the bad guy here. It's worth bearing in mind. But you can't tell that crowd that. <laughs> no, I think the fake retirement thing worked too well, I guess. They love it. Half this audience are wearing salmon blazers, Joe. They're, they're on his sides. <laughs> This match, oddly, same arena, exact same building where Mark took on Jerry Lawler all those years oh, prior. Really? Fun facts. Wow. He's 50. That's mad. 50. 50. He literally looks exactly the same as he does when he's 21. And I'm not it's, saying it's, No, he looks better. He's cooler. He's <laughs> yeah. stronger. He's got a cooler beard, cool hair. <laughs> better 50. dressed. 50. Yeah. Amazing. Was it true that life begins at 50 is what they've been saying? If you're Mark Henry. Big if true. (laughs) (laughs) There are loads and loads and loads of shots of women in the audience when Big Match John comes out. He's so popular with the ladies. Woo! Woo! Sexy John! I... It's with his dick shirt as well. Oh yeah, what is this shirt? It says like, champion is here or something or this is the champion or this is the suck champion. my championship i don't know and then it points to his dick excellent what does it say it says the champ is here oh right with an arrow pointing at the wwe championship if he's wearing it and if yeah. he's not it's pointing at his dick it is yeah so um bear, bear, that's it that's what is with john it's kind of like a, it's a shame thing it's like if i lose a champion if i lose a title and then i become very <laughs> i lose my child fan base i think i'm talking about my willy again that's in the past john mark henry has a fucking phd in talking in the ring i don't know if we've talked about it much it's something that definitely developed later in his career him grabbing John Cena by the face and saying, I will own you, is quite intimidating. To be John sells it well. He looks scared. Yeah, this is, I feel like this is definitely at the turning point of John's career. Yeah. Like, you can see he's really been training hard. You know, the fact that he wrestles a very impressive style with someone like Mark. I mean, I'd bottom of the barrel anticipation yeah. for this. Even with the angle, I was like, great angle. Shame about the match we'll have to watch. And yeah, yeah everyone brought their fucking working shoes yeah. on. John's, he's he's got his Hollywood face on. He's he's acting the fuck out of things. He's he's wrestling the shit out of stuff. It's great. I loved rewatching this match with you just because I, I had a little bit more time to kind of you know, it was like rewatching a good TV series that had layers to it, and I was eyes fixed on Mark Henry's facials for this. 
because he manages to pull some of these little emotions out where it's like, uh-oh, I fake retired for this. Yeah. Like, they talk to people in the documentary who are like, D'Lo Brown's like, yeah, I was texting him saying, fuck you, because you were like, you had me crying. Yeah. All of his friends were like, felt massively betrayed by it. And there is an element <laughs> yeah. of like, this is my, and they're, they're talking conversation. This is Mark's last shot. Yeah, you don't boy win the title here. <laughs> that, this will be your legacy that you fake retired. And it kind of is. Oh, yeah, no, it is. And it works so well because it's such an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. He's the world's strongest man. He doesn't need to pull this shit out, but he feels like he has to because he'll never say, I think my time is up. Aww. It's the closest thing he'll come with that monster kayfabe heel, you know. I'll I'll just fake retire then, I guess. That's how I express myself. <laughs> we have the big John dropkick. Oh, yeah. Bring, that drop kick. bring out those new moves, John Cena. And then Mark gives Cena the swing. Oh, man. This was fucking powerful stuff. So good. You were like joking when he when he went for the legs. Like, hey, do the swing. And then he did. Then he did, yeah. It was a different swing to Cesaro's one because he was less kind of trying to spin him and more trying to like toss him like a fucking shot put or something like that. (laughs) You know? Like John kind of got up quite high off the ground. Yes. There were feats of strength from both men in this. Oh yeah, no, definitely. You can tell, like like I was saying, like John's obviously been training really, really hard and the swing can I think be helped and assisted by the person being swung? Yes, definitely. By using a lot of core strength, and you can see John's abs activate when he gets put in the swing. This is one of the only matches I've watched from John Cena, and it happens sometimes if you go maybe twenty, thirty minutes, or you know that nice period of time where we both got into watching John Cena matches, and it's like, hey, AJ Styles is going to have the best match in the world with John Cena. You know, before then. We're in 2013. This is only a 10-minute match. John was sweating mm. and sweating hard. And it's not as if he was out of gas. It's just that the core was activated. Like, you know, yeah. the machine is on. The wheels are, are turning. He tries to do some really hard stuff. Like, he tries to do the um, the double A on... AA. Oh, it's the AA. So just so you know, right? AA is the attitude adjustment. Double A is Aaron Anderson. A double is Austin Aries. So just be careful because it is a literal minefield. Oh, jeez. Okay. But AA is the car insurance people. Also the attitude adjustment. Okay. <laughs> Who do you trust more, the AA or John Cena? My, I know. My dad has been with the AA for 35 years, I think he said. not Maybe longer, maybe 40 years. And he says he's never once been let down by them. He says it's the one thing he can wants to teach me is to be with the AA. <laughs> well, I've been with John Cena for a good four years now, Joe. <laughs> and he's been wrestling less and less as each year went on. He's yet to disappoint me. So there you go. <laughs> But yeah, John, he tries to do the AA, um, but Mark's so big and heavy, he lands on him instead, which is... It's like the setup to do the I can't quite get him up probably actually takes more strength than actually getting him up because you can see John, he's kind of squat down with Mark completely on his back and his shins are like the veins. It's like he's turning into a titan or something. (laughs) It was good stuff. Joe, you pointed out to me that you could see John Cena's underpants while he was doing this AA. Yeah, and his underpants match his "You Can't See Me" branding. I'm pretty oh, wow. sure. I, I'm like, you know how you've got your Calvin Klein. Don't print tell thing. people that about. No one should know about my pants. <laughs> Least of all you. Well, I'm pretty sure John has "You Can't See Me" on his on his underwear. Custom made, never sold, knowingly. I don't know. 
Maybe. How about that? So we get to the point now where Mark is getting a little bit desperate. He's tried some of his big moves. He's hit the, he's hit the world's strongest slam. He's kicked out of the attitude adjustment. He goes out and he grabs the chair. It's kind of like almost borderline Toru Yano tactics yes. because he starts like he rips off a turnbuckle as the ref is going to fix it he rips off another one like when the ref is distracted again he just kicks John in the balls <laughs> yeah and like there's something about that where he's like this is it this is all I've got left like I'm gonna kick him in the balls I'm gonna hit him with a chair whatever they, I love this so much the idea of the world's strongest man being like this almost cowardly but not really cowardly but like a cheating heel yeah. is so funny it's so entertaining it's and the fact it comes oh. after that retirement as well yeah. where it's like I want to win so I don't have to be the guy who's going to be doing this because this is all I can do now to win oh it's, it's fucking deep like honestly there's a lot of people who talk about like kind of a lack of lore in wrestling and people want to ascribe lore to it and I think that is definitely true like there's infinite pits you could fall in trying to make sense out of wrestling see The Fiend or The Undertaker (laughs) or any supernatural character ever but in terms of like these men telling the story off the base of that very simple setup fake retirement this is like as close to perfect as it gets and again not a million moves in display in this match Joe I think Mark busted out a swing which I hadn't seen him do much before but other than that, it was amazing. And like when John gets him in that submission hold and Mark is like pulled back to the middle of the ring, I got such strong the bad kaiju is being destroyed by the army vibes because he's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> screaming as he's been pulled away. He's got big kaiju energy. 100%. Yeah. Fucking hell. He's going to fuck Godzilla up. Like, you know? <laughs> he's going to split Godzilla's wig. Like. <laughs> so he does tap out to the STF in the end, a hard-fought battle for John Cena and a match where, you know, it says a lot about Cena as well as Mark Henry. Where everyone was like, you know, cheering Mark. I was like, wait, he's going to be John Cena. like the angle. Everyone was booing the shit out of John. Everyone was cheering for this end. People were captivated by this. Yeah. They, they got him in their hands, Joe. But did it captivate you? Did they capture you in their hands? I really enjoyed this. It was uh, some very impressive and surprising moves. I didn't expect John to be this good at this point. Yeah, it does make me kind of like... I always thought it's 2014, 2015 when yeah, John got me good. Too. Here he is, you pointed out. He he was already doing it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I think he's just been very clever with the fact that he did it slowly. Because in wrestling, if you do things too quickly, the fans get emotional whiplash. Yes. And they just rebel. And I think John realises, in this match, there are a few moments where the crowd are like, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. And it's really interesting watching his wrestling style adapt depending on what they're cheering. Yeah. Because as they say, let's go Cena, you see him getting more powerful. And then when they say Cena sucks, you see him withdraw slightly, almost as though it's the the fans that give him the power to succeed. Yeah, he does manage to actually, despite when he comes out, he has dueling chance. He does manage to kind of like Stuart Lee was yeah. he spits him up he appeals to the side who he yeah. knows he's going to appeal to and the other side kind of comes along for the ride without almost realising it there's enough people in the front row who are still in 2013 in this wearing We Hate Cena t-shirts but there's also like a couple of young lads you know white white men in their 30s who you would think are like hate Cena at this point who are like let's go Cena it, proper into it proper heroic performance really, really good. good yeah and they work so well as a team and yeah, I just I'm really glad to see John fight someone like Mark Henry at this point in yeah. both of their careers and for Mark to fight someone like John at both of this point in their careers. Like it was just really good matchup. I I only gave it three and a half stars because at the time I wasn't like 
sitting on the edge of my seat being like, whoa, this is the best match ever. Because it's not. But it's, it is good compared to other stuff that they've both been a part of. 100%. I definitely agree with that. And I think, like, what is so good about it, in my mind, it's very rarely is someone going to be like, right, I'm, gonna, I'm here for another five years now, I guess, which, which Mark was at this point. But it's not as if Mark was doing championship matches after this or he was going for a run at the belt. Like, after this moment, he was very much, I'm here to enhance the younger talent. Like, one of the first things I remember him doing in, like, 2014 or 15 was insisting on putting pack the former adrian neville over on tv and apparently that caused a big uproar if it's like no you shouldn't lose to the little guy he's like no he's he's got something <laughs> yeah. why have you signed me if not to put people over yeah. you know and that's that's like what you want that's the best case scenario i'm really happy as well that like you know the segment that everyone loves has a match that's like almost as good to kind of match with it because yeah. i always just thought oh it was a great great segment i'm sure it was a grand match but it's a good one you should probably go check it out again folks for yeah, sure definitely so Mark now finds himself in the Hall of Fame with <laughs> with a lot of footage in this of him and Big Show being so cute and sweet together that it makes us want to rewrite that Netflix series of his, I think. Yeah, the Big Show show should have just been like him and Mark Henry just having fun. I said they were giant rascals. They are. Or big scallywags. Yeah, big boys. <laughs> I like Mark's Hall of Fame speech, you know, and that he... Like Curry did a bit of time to kind of, you know, make light of some of his sillier gimmicks and stuff like that. I like that his boy wore the salmon blazer. I like that his daughter's called Joanna, because that's my name. that's your name. Very good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also kind of remember during his Hall of Fame speech, he just randomly shouted out uh, Own Heart's Widow and was like, please, Martha, let Own in the Hall of Fame. It's time to move on. Uh... And like no more so than kind of like some of the issues there, which we talked about earlier with with Leo and stuff like that. The heart is firmly in the right place. I do believe mm. it is, but there is kind of I think it'll always be there with wrestlers an inherent clumsiness of not understanding the subtleties of why you don't just say please, Martha, let Own Heart be in the Hall of Fame. You know. He was very close with Owen, and I just feel like Mark does have a little bit of a tendency, and it's worth bearing in mind, as well-spoken as he is, and as an authority as he is, mm. that, like, Hart might be in the right place, but I think there is an inherent clumsiness with all these wrestlers as yeah. spokespeople. I refer to it personally as emotional object impermanence. <laughs> Whoa! E-O... Emotional... Uh, E-O-I. Yes. E-O-I. E-O-I. In the... I think a lot of wrestlers, it's not just wrestlers, I think all of us generally mm. are bad for this. But I think especially wrestlers are really bad for this, are bad for thinking that because they feel a certain way about something, that must mean everyone else feels the same way. And I think that's never more apparent than when the issue of Owen gets brought up. Yeah. In that they all love him so much and love the family, of course they do, and think it's so sad what happened to him. But they all love wrestling more than anything else. And they think, well, of course he was a wrestler and he was so good, so he must love wrestling more than anything else. And so this would have been really important to him. Mm. But the fact is, is like, actually, if you can put aside your emotional object and permanence for a second, you'd know to him and his family that's not actually probably what their top priority would be yeah and i think a lot of the stuff that comes out with mark and i think this happens with booker t as well it's like i think podcasting's a you know i'm always going to talk about how great podcasting is as a format because it's you know how we make our living and has been for for many many years 
But in terms of like, hey, let's get Mark Henry and Bully Ray and a bunch of other wrestlers and a couple of like radio DJs who like know how to push the buttons and get them riled mm-hmm. up. Like it's a hothouse for fucking controversial headlines. Yeah. That's that's what I feel like 90% of wrestling podcasts are yeah. at the best of times. It's honestly one of the reasons why I don't go out. And I used to listen to a lot of stuff like that, like Busted Open Radio and stuff. And I kind of try to avoid it a little bit just because like... You know, they're there with their mate having a fucking chat and their stream of consciousness. And it's like, I don't re- know sometimes if he realizes the weight that his words actually carry. Yeah. You know, he obviously realizes to an extent because he, he speaks out about issues and he's mm. passionate about them. But like, I I was somewhat shocked by the reaction from the tweets, the Facebook comments. There were people who kind of had felt that way about Mark. Right. Yeah. You know, and kind of being a shill and all that. And like, I think don't look to WWE to find your fucking moral compass. There are people in there who mean well, but as long as they're within the confines of that corporate structure, they're handcuffed to an extent. You know, it's nice to hear, you know, people talk their mind and speak their mind to the extent that they can. It's still part of a company that's ultimately quite evil with a very fucked up man in charge still who Mark Henry still thinks is the guy, you know? Massive, massive power imbalance. Like the, just the, vast amount of power Vince has in that industry it's it's just incomparable Mm. to anything else I will say though in regards to before we get into our tweets and our Facebooks here I am very happy to see Mark have the role that he does have because I feel like we so often end an episode like this and we're like oh "Mm." what could have been and And yeah there's a busy boy like oh yeah he's fucking thriving I'm actually more excited about his future than I am like even covering his his past like I think that all the stuff you told me about his his influences on wrestling but not as a wrestler, like mm. his his ability to spot talent, like being able to spot Bianca Belair and go, that's a star. Like, wow, what, yeah. a, what a gift. Amazing. Like his ability to be able to take like basic film studies lessons and, and apply that to his own wrestling character. Like yeah. if he's able to do that to like other people, like if he could maybe be more involved with like the, the general direction and production of wrestling, I think it would only be a better place. Well, the Performance Centre needs people like that for sure. You know, it, it needs... Someone like Mark Henry, who knows a lot more than you would probably think. I think those are the best types of mentors in the world. Because they're going to stick him up with someone like Otis or whoever it is to learn how to be a big man. He's probably going to learn a hundred other things they hadn't, you know, taught about. Yeah. It's the closest thing we have as a replacement for the wrestlers traveling together and learning from the mentors. And like, in the pandemic times as well, now more than ever, like, fucking hell. Knowledge is is hard to come by, I imagine, if you're an up-and-coming wrestler in the WWE. So... Yeah, the future is certainly going to be a very interesting one for Mark Henry. The elder statesman of professional wrestling, I think that's something that he will settle into very, very nicely indeed. It's so cool, though, that he's like, you know, often when you think of elder statesmen, you think of these kind of decrepit old men who can't do it anymore. He can still. Oh, like, yeah, man. He's a. F- he, he, what a figure he cuts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hair. Can we have fucking Mark Henry in his Hall of Fame tuxedo looking like Black Kingpin with his fucking beautiful peacock bow tie? Can he be general manager? Um, I'm about to, like, pitch the greatest idea ever. Please. A cinematic match with Mark Henry. Ooh, with feats of strength. It could be feats of strength, but, like, given his love of film and camera work and his love of storytelling, silliness. Okay, yeah. He doesn't want to be like a wrestler necessarily anymore, but he could still be very creative in the industry. And like, I'd I'd love to see him be involved properly with a silly cinematic match. It's nice, isn't it? The end of the episode, talking about their career and your they're finished their career, and you're super hopeful for the future of yeah. what it's going to entail. And you know what? 
he's not like problematic or anything. I know people say he's a bit of a shill and it is sad that he's not spoken out on as many issues as we would have liked, but he is still young. Yeah. And he's got a lot of time to learn. And if Randy Orton can change, <laughs> there's hope for us all. Ah, the benchmark of 2020, baby. Coming back into 2021. <laughs> Let's have a look at your tweets and your Facebook posts about the world's strongest man. Mark Henry. And we're back. Time to get into some of your tweets and your Facebook messages about the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. And hey, big shout out to those of you who, again, use that hashtag, HowToMarkHenry. You can always continue the conversation if you're listening to this episode in the future. Joe, have you got some tweets for us? I do, but before I start with the tweets, there's actually an important thing that I meant to say in the main part of the episode and forgot. Oh! Very important for continuity, it's strong brand guidelines for how-to wrestling. Mm-hmm. Nudity. Oh, of course! There was there uh, was nudity. Mm-hmm. There was nudity and we, we didn't actually mention that. Nude hunk. So obviously in our Rey Mysterio episode, we found out that he did a special photo shoot where he was naked and sexy. And in the documentary we watched for this episode, it was revealed that Mark Henry has a photo of himself naked in the, the library of most talented people. It's an incredible place. It's this like special the large large scale museum in texas and he's basically saying like they celebrate the best of everyone like best of everyone the best of everything yeah he says like from weightlifting to tiddlywigs yeah and he thinks oh it's him and his son walking around he's like look at me over there son i'm naked (laughs) i love the fact that like he is the world's strongest man like that's what he's in there for and there he is this like lovely photo of him looking honestly gorgeous like naked but so it's so artistic it's like really nicely done the world's nakedest man was a moniker like i mean i don't don't know if it's like world's strongest man if it's like kind of controversial if you just proclaim to be the world's nakedest man like how 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 can you be more naked than another naked person how can you be more strong than another strong person joe it's got to be it's some sort of a contest is what i'm saying okay, Look, how do you judge that then I, i'm not judging it but i'm just saying mark there may be members of the naked community who right. might start calling you out now and you might have to like you know step to it and go do a special naked arnold classic well he's already got i mean he's he's in a library of most talented people and he's naked so yeah. i think they've got no leg to stand on really. that's pretty like that's quite quite the flex though in fairness like yeah. anything else like you could be known for in there adding naked to it as yeah. well like that's incredible so have we got like a rolling document now of wrestlers who have appeared <laughs> nude yeah and i'm not including like because obviously there have been some wrestlers whose like nudes have been leaked for instance i'm not including that mm. this is this is consensual they've been involved in a shoot with them naked and yeah we've got two people so far i think that's it <laughs> that's impressive you know i think it's something we need to point out if it happens in future yeah in any uh, would-be episode don't come at us with naked pictures of terry funk if you find them no we don't need that I thank you i want one of stone cold i want a tasteful nude photo shoot with stone cold steve austin <laughs> stop why are you laughing it's i'm just, being serious i want a tasteful naked naked photo shoot he's got a beer and he's like he's just he's guzzling some beer and it's kind of rolling down his body tastefully <laughs> the nudist episode of uh, subculture came out recently i think that, <laughs> yeah. that could be uh could be coming out of us here hey give me some of those tweets now we got a lot of chatter about this some really interesting uh insight on on the twitter and the facebook about mark first up from born micah over on twitter 
Saw Mark Henry at my first live wrestling show in Belfast. After winning a match, he stole a kid's Rolo chocolates and had a munch at ringside. <laughs> 10 out of 10 personality. All right, that depends entirely now if he was working face or heel, because... Although, actually, both ways is yeah. pretty charming, isn't it, like? Yeah, for Mark Henry, yeah. I mean, he can get away with it. He's incredibly charming. Okay, the only way you have to put a bow on that, though, is he has to say, that's what I do once he eats the last yeah. Rolo. Like. Who <laughs> would you be most annoyed at if they took your Rolos, and why is it Seth Rollins? Oh, yeah, Seth does have that look on him, doesn't he? Just that fucking bastard. Like, don't, fuck off, get your own Rolos. No, what Seth would do is he'd take the Rolos and he'd start chewing them and he thinks it's like gum and he spits it yeah. out. And you find out that's how he's been eating gum the entire time, yeah. his whole life. And he's, then he'll go on Twitter and complain about it if you call him out on it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Over here on the Facebook, we had several people who pointed this out and I, and I figured this is something worth mentioning because it's something I didn't know and I think a lot of us who are watching wrestling did not know. Sexual chocolate is actually a reference to Coming to America, the Eddie Murphy movie. Okay. And that is, Mark has said in interviews, not declaring it from the rooftops or anything, but he's like, yeah, yeah, we were just joking. And that was that was a bit. So like sexual chocolate, one of those mnemonicers that sounds almost too good for wrestling. Turns out it was taken from a movie. So there you go. That's typical wrestling. That's very wrestling. Next from Michael Scally at Fizz versus the World. Possibly the best example of a fine wine in wrestling. Endured decades of booking seemingly designed to make him want out of his contract, only to end up with a final run that The Undertaker is surely envious of. No one's ever had a turnaround like that. And I've had some people tweet me since between the points of where we recorded, the first part and this part, telling me that they think that it was a million a year that he was getting that original run. A million! So he had 10 years. And 2006, when that contract would have ended, the point that is, is when, you know what I was saying, the really disappointing thing where he came back for Batista and he got immediately injured? That's the end of that 10-year run where he oh. was getting a lot... I mean, you don't get re-signed after that usually. I, mean, I imagine he got signed for a lot less money when he came back for his second go-around as well. Like, that's got to be humbling to an extent yeah i mean that's that again that's wrestling isn't it they love to humble you yeah well, i mean i'd like to be humbled by being given a million dollars for 10 years like that's a nice humbling i'd yeah. take that <laughs> next from it's jack robert it's fucking tragic that this guy who was deliberately given shit angles in order to quit the company has now become a mindless shill for said company mm, i mean Mindless shill, I mean, that is harsh, but, like, I totally get it if that's, like, how you're going to walk away from Mark because he is a vocal defender of WWE. Yeah. And, like, you know, hey, we we watch a lot of WWE for this podcast and we find it kind of weird sometimes, like, talking about this company when, you know, a lot of the things they do are fucking evil or you're kind of, you're calling out about it a lot of the time and you kind of sit back and kind of go, like, God, this is a fucked up company. But he works for them and, like, he has the blinders on as it relates to the shit that they're doing. He doesn't kind of seem to want to take him off. Next up from The Gutteridge, proof you should never write someone off completely. Had years of failed pushes behind him and looked to set to fizzle out before every single thing clicked into place, finally in 2011. From that point forward, he could even get salmon jackets over. <laughs> I think he's like some that's really inspirational about that with Mark because, you know... As folks who started podcasting in their mid to late 20s, which is a period of time where when you're growing up, no one tells you, no one gives a shit about you when you're in your mid to late 20s. And I think a lot of people who are listening are probably going through that sense of listlessness that can happen. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you if you're a millennial or otherwise to kind of have it all figured out by age, you know, 30 or age, whatever it is. 
And here's Mark Henry, who probably didn't have all the pieces put together and didn't really start cooking with gas until he was in his late 40s. You know, and that's pretty incredible. So, yeah. Yeah, the closest comparison I've seen is to DDP. In terms of, like, getting into wrestling quite later on in life. Yeah. You know, not that 30 is that late on, but for wrestling, you know, it is. But the thing is, with DDP, like, he, he started wrestling late, whereas Mark Henry... He was wrestling for ages. He just wasn't any good. <laughs> yeah, like that's the kind of thing. Is like, hey, you know, we've all done mediocre stuff in our time, yeah. and it's you know, it's uh, if you've ever been in the position where you feel like you're not doing great at something that you have previously been told over and over, like you'd be great at this, or like this is what mm. you're meant to do with your life. And a lot of people find themselves in that rut, and you know, as tempting it is just to kind of cut bait and like f- flow off into the wild blue yonder. I think Mark sticking to his guns. I like and most wrestling fans at the time would have been like yeah Mark give it another 10 years I'm sure it'll turn around <laughs> fuck no but nah. he did he did yeah and he, he smashed it next up from Mo Square the fake retirement speech in 2013 was one of the greatest promos in the Fed's history post 2002 Henry's acting in particular was outstanding it's just a shame that it didn't amount to anything since he lost to Cena at Money in the Bank 2013 a couple of people have, have commented on this the fact that he lost his match after he did the fake retirement speech yeah. with Cena. And I, I agree. I think he should have won. I think you should have given him like a proper push as this like nasty mega heel. I, I get that. Because I mean, like, yeah, obviously as a fan, I wanted to see that happen. I think I kind of had changed my mind just by rewatching the match. Just yeah. because I thought the tragedy of the villain doing all these things to be like, ha I'm, you know, I'm going to fucking fuck my career up for this one <laughs> shot. And he did and he loses. It's like, oh, that's a nice end to like that evil Mark Henry character. But yeah, I mean. Oh, I, I can see what you mean. But oh. also John Cena getting yeah. beat up in 2013. I feel your pain, guys. I really <laughs> do. <laughs> now from Sam Tomlin 539. Aged well is an excellent descriptor, hurt by silly Vince expectations and booking when he came in, but his late 2000s slash early 2010s monster work was absolutely outstanding. Also, a ringing endorsement for the 1998 era Nation of Domination, which despite it being hugely problematic in a racial sense, did help get everyone involved more over than they had been beforehand. Yeah, well, look, we all know, guys, the, the Nation of Domination... It's the cursed chalice, isn't it? No, it's just a bunch of guys who had the attitude of, we're going to do what we want to do to to get to the next level that's they're very hard pressed to try and explain the nation of domination but like yeah i think mark really was the the sleeper hit in that group because i think there was a hierarchy of who was going to be getting over and i think mark henry and everyone would have reckoned was last on that list like you know? <laughs> next from branavan candy my favourite Mark Henry story is when he had a broken foot in 1996-1997. Top star Shawn Michaels took his crutch, to which Henry said, I will tear your ass off the bone. HBK <laughs> tapped... Arse off the bone? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then HBK tattled to Vince, told, told on... Well, Mark to Daddy, and uh, Mark Henry spent about a year in the Hart House. Oh shit! I've heard this. Mark did go. I did a little reading about this because Brett just randomly mentioned once that like, you know, people would come in and train <laughs> yeah. and all that. Yeah, Mark used to go to the Hart household for like long stretches of the time to kind of train up a little bit, and he looked after the kids and made them spaghetti dinner. From what I heard. Aww. I just hope there was no cat turds in there. Like, you know, oh. work in the same kitchen as Stu Hart. You got to give it the once over, folks. That's all. <laughs> also, fucking hell, Shawn Michaels telling to Vince because uh, I stole his crutch and, and he yelled 
rub your fucking glove against your face, you pansy. <laughs> There's a deep cut right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, though. A fucking sitcom that's Mark Henry, the world's strongest oh. man who doesn't know his own strength and yet doesn't know how to wrestle, having to move into the most famous wrestler in the world's <laughs> household and cook spaghetti. That sounds like a good time. Move over there, The Big Show Show. Actually, seriously, on that note, for people who've not listened to our The Big Show Show Show, my main takeaway from that was The Big Show 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 should have just been about Mark Henry. And, yes. Like, genuinely, he's such a good actor. And I, I'm, I'm saying this here because like he's a, such a great actor in wrestling as well. Like, just the couple of promo-y bits, the, the silly segments he's involved in, he's always the shining star. I heard a couple of people here on, on the old Facebook saying... You know, when he, he was going to go away in 06 and when the contract ran out, he apparently was saying to them as his main bargaining position. Now, whether or not he was actually going to do this or if it was just a bargaining position, but he's like, no, I'm done. and I'm going to go do movies. He should. He should. Honestly, he should. He's such a good actor. There's a lot of like clips. He did do some bit parts here and there. Like I know yeah. he did a stunt MacGruber with Jericho and he did some other kind of like, uh, there's a picture of him with the guys from Hot Tub Time Machine and all that. You were watching yeah. a clip earlier as well, weren't you? Yeah, he was in some shit movie. Wasn't good. And just, yeah mad problematic but he was really good in it like he is just very talented and he's very watchable and the fact that he's got great range like he can do angry he can do charming and flirty could have got an easy little career for himself oh doing God, that yeah and like you know. he makes the rock look like shit like he's so Whoa. like the rock can't act for nothing mark henry is such a natural actor yeah i think mark obviously was taken because yeah, it's around that time, 06, is when he started really dialing up, you know, the, the, the promos and the, the the conveying of the anger and all that. And I just wondered, probably a few acting lessons were going on or, like, yeah. he was just kind of maybe preparing for that life. Well, as we know, he's got an interest in, in television and film. Like, it's obviously something he's passionate about and, and takes his own time to get better at these things. So yeah, definitely. that's very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. And he not, it's not as if he's bragging about it, folks. No, he's very modest. <laughs> Anthony O'Keefe here. A late bloomer, perhaps WWE could have helped him along the way a little bit better. Of course, he wasn't great to begin with, and it took a long time for him to get to the Hall of Pain. But was he ever going to succeed when they tried to bury him with a pervert gimmick? Oh, and do you remember the time he squashed Dryback? Do I ever? <laughs> this is great. You know, usually if we have a little break between the first part of recording and the second part, you know, sometimes bad stuff can happen. In this case, some great stuff happened because <laughs> Mark Henry's just been on a tear about Ryback on Twitter in January 2021 and I'm having a great time enjoying it, Joe. Yeah, it's great. Ryback basically worked himself. He was all like, wrestling's fake and no one's ever lost a championship proving himself to be a fake wrestling fan because like immediately <laughs> all wrestling fans could like list 10 instances you know like chris jericho literally losing the championship at an airport you know, bret hart <laughs> losing the championship you know because it was taken from him. like there's so many instances of it actually being not predetermined and most wrestling fans have been preparing for this since they've you know thought about talking back to that bully in school yeah, like, you know now that bully is ryback oh it's so funny because he's like hey if any of your wrestlers you see ryback tell him to go fuck himself if I see Ryback I'm gonna fight him like <laughs> and, and Ryback was like then responded he's like all of us in the wrestling community none of us actually respect Mark Henry John Cena once told me that like 
Mark, he's not a really good worker. And also, I saw Mark Henry napping one time. And, <laughs> I, I, and Mark Henry's like, all right, yeah, we call up John now. Like, him and I are really good friends. And, like, you know, I think he's a great worker and vice versa. And as regards to napping, I napped all the time. I napped before my WrestleMania match with you. I napped usually every TV taping. It was a big running joke. I love to nap. You know what? He will live forever because of those naps. Yeah. And, and Ryback, you know, you've just got to go and eat for your blood type, haven't you? <laughs> I don't need to sleep. I eat for my blood type. <laughs> also, why do I feel so sick and tired all the time? Oh, the best thing he said was, first of all, your name's not Ryback. Stop calling yourself Ryback. <laughs> Which is a pretty hearty takedown of someone who's doing the whole wrestling's not real defense, you yeah, know? seriously. <laughs> I love, I, you know, I could listen to Mark talk for a long time about yeah. idiots. Like. <laughs> okay, I've got two more. All right, let's send us off on a high note, Joe. First up from Ern Anderson. Kevin's laid it on pretty thick over the years, calling <laughs> Henry lazy, a bad wrestler, and a failed Olympian. But when most of Henry's national and international weight and powerlifting records still haven't been beaten over 30 years later, could any wrestling career ever even top that? I mean, I think I was, like, wrong. <laughs> Obviously wrong. And it was like, I was wrong, and I think... Then I got into a nice, easy habit of making jokes about it mm -hmm. and buttressed by the decades of the wrestling community seem to be like, hey, let's all make fun of Mark Henry. When's your notes app apology coming? I think, yeah, obviously I have to clear some space from my shopping list and I'll yeah. pop it on top of that right there. But I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm like fucking precious about my opinions about something that I made jokes about nearly 10 years ago at this point. Yeah. Because oh God, it's one of the things I love about you most. If I was the same person that I was in 2014 and here I am now fucking all grown up a bit later and Jesus Christ, yeah. You'd be a bit worried about the lack of fucking momentum in anyone's life at that point. No, like, honestly, if you want to call me out and hold me to task for it, I mean, I was doing it myself earlier in the episode, mainly because the fact that it is embarrassingly true <laughs> and completely unavoidable. I did routinely make fun of Mark Henry. My only, like, ultimate regret about that, because it's like, you know, an idiot making jokes or whatever it is, but... I was kind of the host on that show. And I think Adam and Billy there, Billy didn't know who Mark Henry was at all. Mm. And Adam had such little experience of Mark Henry. He was mostly gone by the time Adam was watching. And I kind of felt like I just gave them like, here's your ready-made Mark Henry opinion. And I, this has happened in 2013 when Mark was doing great fucking work. Mm. And I just kind of felt like, yeah, I didn't want to talk about how great he was when Billy was coming out with bangers like sexual marmite. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, I think there is a moment in, like, season two when we're reviewing its Survivor Series and it's Big Show and Mark Henry and we're like, Way, it's the lads we make fun of. And we're, like, both all, sh all quietly like, oh, this match was really good. <laughs> and as big as those men were, they were never going to match the tininess of the three of us at that moment in time. <laughs> and you know what? I think it teaches wrestling fans, us all, a valuable lesson, which is you don't know which of your opinions that you hold right now, which are going to end up aging really badly. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what? And you want, the thing about wrestling fans as well, and I think it shows you about how the kind of the stuff that you make fun of sticks is that I've probably, that's the first tweet I've probably ever received where someone is like, you used to make fun of Mark Henry and said that he was lazy and he was shit and he was a failed Olympian I, and all I, that. I had to pay him a hundred quid to get that <laughs> one as well. But like, I will still routinely get tweets where people are like, you said Jeff Jarrett would never come back to WWE in 2014. Care to explain? <laughs> I'm like, right. One thing is me being like just 
taking the temperature at the time. This is me like massively making fun of someone unfairly when they were been proven right at that moment in time that they were not to be made fun of and to be taken seriously and enjoyed. <laughs> and I think that says a lot about wrestling fans. We hold on to dearly the things that we like make fun of wrestlers yes. for. But it's all right to fucking go roll roll it back. Says me rolling it back right now, <laughs> many years later. <laughs> and sexual marmite, that's just a banger. Although I'm going to argue he's sexual bovril because I like bovril more. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's got a bit more beefiness to him as well, I think. Kind of salty, yeah. Yeah, definitely salty. Okay, last one now. I, Kevin I, Mahan on the 23rd <laughs> of August 2015 you said no I, I called in the big experts for this one okay. <laughs> I thought I thought we'd, we'd get a tweet now from one of the most respected professionals in the wrestling industry oh okay here we go someone who who can speak with authority on the legacy of Mark Henry finally so here we have from the Iron Sheik. Excuse me. <laughs> Respect the sexual chocolate. Well, you can't argue with them facts, folks. You, you gotta. Hey, it's been an awful lot of fun talking about Mark Henry, someone whose career has lasted from the 90s through seasons of podcasts and beyond. Mark Henry's definitely someone who, like, he proves in wrestling you think you know someone, and I feel like I've learned almost as much as you have even though I've been talking about him for years and years, and I've been watching him for fucking 20-something. What are your final thoughts on Mark Henry, Joe? Oh, I love him. I mean, oh, God, he is a complicated person, and I think it's difficult for me to talk about his sort of current-day leanings towards protecting the Fed. Yeah. Because... I don't really keep up to date with modern day wrestling a huge amount. Like I don't follow wrestlers on social media for the most part, other than John Cena's Instagram. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of, I, I tend to accept the fact that a lot of wrestlers have bad opinions and I don't really want to know about them. And 2020 <laughs> and 2021 yeah. really fucking put that in bold yeah. for us all. Yeah. But obviously now he's called out Ryback. I might have to change my <laughs> mind. I, honestly, I love what I've seen of Mark Henry. I think his acting, like I said earlier, is, is just fantastic. I think he's a really interesting wrestler. It makes me think of wrestlers who I kind of, I want to say grew up watching, but, you know, when I was getting into wrestling over the last six years, which of those wrestlers have been influenced by Mark Henry? Because mm. there is now, you know, much more diversity in terms of body shapes and sizes and big boys is a, a quite a mainstay in the WWE now. Yeah. And it's just interesting to think of like, you know, how Mark Henry will have influenced not only, you know, big boys in wrestling, but also like, yeah, as some people have pointed out, like, black people in wrestling yeah that's true holding championships like just generally i mean the main thing for me is i'm just so excited about his future and again it's not often i get to say this at the end of an episode with someone who's you know kind of retired from pro wrestling mm. but the fact that he is still you know he's got firmly at least one foot in the wrestling industry the fact that he's got kind of sights over you know he's in the big show show maybe he'll be in television or hollywood stuff like the fact that he's got this interest and mm. the, the talent and ability he's so cool he penetrates the mainstream like i feel in terms of modern day wrestlers who non-fans would know about he's one of them yeah and i think he's one of those people as well that just the mystique of him still yeah. to this day world's strongest man yeah and i think as he gets older it's like one of those people where you can have him as like the elder statesman in wrestling and it's kind of because he's a big broad motherfucker you can kind of you can you can just 
see that carrying weight and gravitas for the next 10 to 20 years yeah, if I'm, he shows up. I'm so excited to see what the future holds for Mark Henry. Just so excited. Like, just in front of the camera or behind the scenes or writing or, or wrestling development or, you know, scouting. I think he could do it all. He's so good. There's an interesting book in there for sure. You know, you, you say like writing or whatever, like there's a, there's a life story there yeah. that, that really needs to be told. Because I still feel at the end of this episode, we're barely scratching the surface mm-hmm. of, of the enormity of the career of the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. And hey, Joe, next episode, we're going to be flip-flopping, flying by the seat of our pants and heading up to the pay window because we're going to learn about an American dream. The dream, of course, of Dusty Rhodes, the common man, the son of a plumber, and the father of Joe's least favourite wrestler. We're going to be talking about Dusty Rhodes' legendary career, from his days in the territory, to the NWA, his days as champion, to his days claiming that he's hanging out with John Belushi while writing wrestling shows, booking Dusty finishes, and driving people up the wall, with his indelible mark on the world of wrestling that will never be forgotten. We're going to be talking about the life and times of the man, the wrestler, the writer, and the legend, Dusty Rhodes. Use the hashtag, HowToDustyRhodes. Let us know your thoughts, feelings, promos. This man is a master of the mic. And Joe, we're dealing with a legendary character from the 80s. I'm thinking he's going up on a level that is really only equivalent of someone like, say, Ric Flair that we've done an episode on. This is a, a man with a big career and with an ability to talk like nothing else. I know next to nothing about him. Really? I know he occasionally wore polka dots. I know that he helped out with NXT and, and he was quite essential to the formulation of Bailey's character. Yeah. Hmm, I know he had a lisp. That's. I think that's about it. That's terrible, isn't it? I don't know anything. I'm so excited for this episode. I think you're going to love him because you generally seem to have an appreciation for people in wrestling who are bursting with creativity yeah. and manage to find a way to let other people harness that in some manner. And I know that he has changed the course of wrestling as a form of storytelling. I know mm. that he's like permanently altered it. I don't really understand how. I just know that he has. Like We're talking about someone as well with in terms of move list. He's probably going to be equivalent to Ric Flair in terms of you know not going to be a thing thousand million moves backflips and moonsaults we're talking about so i want to spend a lot of time talking about the character the creativity the promos the verbiage the penetrating of the mainstream and changing wrestling like that's something i'm really intrigued about because i don't think anyone other than vince mcmahon that we've done is going to have like their fingerprints over modern wrestling as a television product mm. other than dusty Rhodes. so oh boy this is going to be an exciting episode once again thank you all for your tweets about mark henry until next time when we're talking about the dream and heading down that dusty road it's a goodbye from me kevin and a goodbye from me joe and we'll see you next time on how to wrestling see ya